Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening in to tonight's newest podcast of VORW International, the voice of the report of the week. Thanks for tuning in. I'm not sure when exactly this one's going to be going out to you. I mean, I I really couldn't even begin to prognosticate or, um... Anyway, tonight's show, let's preface it so I could crash your hopes and dreams, if you have any, that is. Uh, don't expect anything really substantial, substantial, substantiative uh, here from. It's just going to be some hours of uh, the usual BS and... Uh, if you're looking for some sort of real tightly, highly produced format of discussion, you're in the wrong place for that, so just get ready for however long this is going to be of pretty much what you're hearing now. So if you like it, stay tuned. If not, then you know where the door is, and I advise you to go through it right now and do something better with your time. Uh, I mean, why not? May as well just be blunt. So now that you're here and you know what you're in for, welcome. Uh, Let's see, when did I do the last show before this one? January 22nd. Anyway, tonight's show, meandering discussion with no real point for the first however long. And then after that, we're going to uh, get into some uh, listener feedback and some emails. And we uh, we will do just that. So there you have it. All right. Let's see, what's there to talk about? Well, first and foremost, things for me are going all right. Um, I know in the last show we talked about some current events. It was mostly the predictions, mostly the predictions show. I was a little concerned at first about um, the viewpoints expressed in the predictions, but thankfully uh, many people handled the situation well with uh, with dignity and self-restraint, perhaps. But uh, I'm glad that a lot of people were... Uh, a lot of people were all right with them, and they were okay with the predictions, didn't find them... No one was really going crazy about them or anything that's good. Uh, as you could see, though, a lot of people kind of felt the same way that I did about things, and... Uh, Still do. I still do. I have embraced the, uh, that sort of ideology toward the, the future. And, uh, well, it is what it is. Society is, uh, crumbling. And, uh, it's just gonna be that way. You gotta, you gotta be the best you can be and navigate through this insanity. And that's all that you really can do at this point is change the world. You just have to do the best that you can for you. Let's not set our, uh, let's not our set, (laughs) let's not set our sights too high now. You just got to be the best you can and, you know, in this degrading world of ours, try not to, try not to lose lose yourself. Try not to get... let all of this stuff infect you, is what I'm trying to say. You gotta try. I'm not saying that you can successfully be this all the time, but... you have to strive, anyway, to be the best you can, in my opinion. 
because so much of this nonsense is uh it's just contagious the hatred the anger the infighting the animosity all of this these people with these complexes and uh so on and so forth need i really regurgitate what we were saying for three hours in the last show i don't think so i don't think there's any reason to but uh, I think if you're a regular listener, you get it. You understand it. You know it's not perfect, but you just gotta try. That's all that... That's my view, anyway. I'm not saying it's the right or wrong view to have, but it's my view, and I stand by it. So on to some other subjects. Uh, my teeth are uh, in better shape. January was a month where uh, there was some dental work to be done. And uh, it was uh, it was a productive month, I must say. It was a productive month. I had to go to the dentist three separate times in January, but I got it all done. Got what I needed to get done, done. And for that, I am happy and thankful. So I went over the first time, and I got... Because I had... How many teeth needed to be worked on? Four. Four teeth needed to be worked on. All of them upper teeth. So see, it was the lower teeth that I pretty much got all fixed now. Um, My lower teeth resulted in two extractions. One, two, three... Four crowns. How many root canals? One, two... Three root canals and uh, numerous fillings, but finally all the work with the lower teeth is done. So now we went to the upper teeth and began working with that. So started up the work there. Uh, The first tooth that got some work done was an upper tooth... I'm not sure. Is it an incisor? Maybe it is an incisor. It's next to the front tooth, which whatever the name of that is. Not the canine tooth. Let's look. The names of teeth. What do we have? It is an incisor. Alright, so it was my front... It wasn't the front teeth, but the one next to it. The incisor on the left. And there was already a crown on it, but something felt a little... Actually, it was the dentist who caught it. There was something a little weird under the crown. So, uh... He popped the crown off and took a look, and thankfully it was okay. There wasn't any issue with the tooth itself. Um, there was no decay, nothing. So under the crown, the, the actual remaining tooth structure was in tip-top, uh, A-OK shape, which is good. I mean, that's the most important thing. It was at the, the, um, there was a little issue with the buildup underneath it. Some of the bonding material was iffy, so they, they redid that, um, put in a temporary crown and redid the permanent one, and that was fine. That worked out well. There were no issues there, but it was good that he caught that. But, uh, I was worried at first that there was some decay under the crown or something, but there wasn't any. That's, they actually said I'm doing a darn good job brushing my teeth, which, uh, was nice. That's good to see. And, uh, 
so that got fixed. Then there was, then the next tooth that they worked on after that was, let's see, it was a premolar, and that already had a root canal, so that needed to have a build-up done and prepared for a crown. Then the other premolar next to it also needed a crown, so that also had to be rebuilt and have a crown put on that. And then one of the molars had this old, um, really bad filling on it. He showed me a camera and was poking around, and you could see the, the, the freaking filling was practically like a mush. It was horrible. It was one of the worst fillings I've ever seen. And uh, redid that. But it's all looking so much better now. It feels good. It took three separate appointments. The first two were getting the work done, and then the third appointment, I waited till all of the permanent crowns were there, and then I went back and I got the permanent crowns put on. And uh, it's all great now. It feels good. There's no pain. There's no discomfort. There's no weird feelings or anything. And uh, it all just feels so good now that the teeth feel so smooth. And... Uh, it's just very nice knowing that I can reliably bite into things without the risk of this or that or the other thing happening. And uh, it's just good. So happy to get that work done. It was a, a dental month, but a, a productive one. Got some stuff done there, so that was good. And uh, I'm feeling good about it. Feeling good about it. The other day, I tried out the McDonald's new menu hacks. And... I said, you know, because I don't give a damn anymore, forget it, you know? Guess what? If these places are just going to keep doing this, then I'm not going to... I'm just going to tell it like it is in the title. Forget it, you know? If it's good, it's good, and I'll say it's good. If it's bad, I'm just going to say how bad it is. What, is it, what does it matter anymore? People have to realize and just know straight up that something's good or something's bad um, when you have these problems. Had to be one of the stupidest ideas... I've ever seen, at least in terms of execution, in the world of fast food, the McDonald's hacks. Now, you've got the glorious world of menu hacks. You've got the, um... Right, the premise is, is quite simple. It's been around for years and years. Some people were saying maybe even two decades, and I would believe it. I bet this stuff has been around at least since the early 2000s, maybe the 90s or before. Where, uh, you know how it is, you go to McDonald's and uh, let's say someone wants to get a McChicken sandwich and a uh, double cheeseburger or something. Obviously, there isn't a sandwich on the menu with such components, but you could just buy a double cheeseburger and a McChicken and you could put the chicken patty and the, the cheeseburger and make your own little custom sandwich. And they call them a menu hack. And... That's been around a long time. So McDonald's decided to embrace the menu hacks, and this is what we have. You have the menu hacks promotion, where everything about this is just wrong. It's an idea that had potential. It's an idea that had... It's, it's, look, it's a solid concept. I'll give them that. But that's the thing. You could have a good idea, and you could drive that thing straight into the ground, and that's what they did. So number one, 
I'll, t- I'll tell you right off the bat what I didn't like about, about it. I hated, and I hate that Taco Bell did this too with their little mosquito wings. Um, well, some people said that the wings are actually good. Other people didn't like their chicken, chicken quote-unquote wings. But um, I never tried them. I, who am I to say? Maybe they were good. Maybe they weren't. I, I can't say. But one thing that I, uh, I have great disdain for with what Taco Bell did, what McDonald's is doing now, and I guarantee they're going to keep doing this, is they say you have to download the app. You have to download the app in order to even order the thing. Now, let me tell you something. When I said in the review, this is one of those things that I couldn't say in the video because I was fearful that you can't be too direct with this sort of stuff. There might be repercussions. Uh, On here, I don't think it particularly matters, but you know the real reason why they want you to download the app, right? It's not because of what I said in the video. That was a real softball approach that I was giving it in terms of saying that they just want to use it to uh, send you ads and stuff, right? And that's partially true, but the real reason is, you know, obviously they want to spy on you, they want to watch you, uh, and they're going to take your data and they're going to sell it. That's why they want you to download the app, and don't think for a second that that's not what it's all about. It's about spying, it's about uh, intruding your privacy. Believe me, that's what it's all about. And then they'll take your data, and they're going to sell it. And uh, so what? A company says they don't do that? Of course they do it. They, they lie all the time. The government lies. Companies lie. You really think that they're going to be there and so admirably and be so cavalier and say that they're not going to? You know the reason why. You know why they want you to download their app so much. That's why, right there. So that's one reason why I don't like all of these apps and uh, this sort of concept that you need to download this or you need to do this to do that, etc. I don't like it. It always gives a real bad taste in my mouth. Um, but, but, you know, let's say, all right, fine, I'm willing to sell my soul to our, our, our beautiful corporate overlords and, uh, <laughs> and go for it. All right, you know, I, I, right, I want these, uh, these hacks. Let me do it. Let's download this app. Let's go for it. Here's the other thing. Why do you need to download the app when all of the stuff that this is comprised of is already on the menu? So, download the app. You could choose from four things. You can choose... From, let's see, you can get the hash brown McMuffin, which I think was like an egg McMuffin and some hash browns, and you put them together. Got the crunchy double, which was, I think, some chicken nuggets and like a double cheeseburger or something. The surf and turf, which is like a burger and a filet fish And then the land, air, and, and sea uh, sandwich which is a Big Mac, right? That's the land. You've got a McChicken sandwich, because obviously you've got all the flying chickens everywhere, right? <laughs> For the air. <laughs> and that filet fish sandwich we were talking about for the sea. And uh, But here's the thing, you gotta pay full price for everything. Now, I realize the fast food in Florida is cheap. I paid eight bucks for the land, air, and sea. 
But if you're in most other states, you're going to be blowing 15, 16 bucks with the inflation just for that. Then they aren't even going to put it together. They're just going to give you a Big Mac. They're going to give you separately a McChicken sandwich. And then separately, they're going to give you a uh, filet fish sandwich. And as the customer, you have to go ahead and assemble it yourself. I don't understand the point of it. No one really does. Um, Almost every single person that saw the video thought it was just as idiotic. But you know what they want to do. They're trying to appeal to the people who, uh, I don't know, will just take it and don't really know any better. I realize that on some platforms, not really YouTube, but they try to appeal to people, try to grind it into their minds that... You know, this is a good thing. Uh, that this is this is cool and this is awesome. And look at how trendy it is. Yeah, you know, because this is this is how marketing is. You try to convince people of certain things. Look at how trendy it is, right? Look at how cool and trendy, and uh, look at all the cool Instagram uh, pictures and uh, little TikTok videos this yields, etc. Yeah, everyone, look, look at these videos, watch them, like them. Uh, look at how amazing it is that you have to pay tons of money for this, this utter trash, and you have to assemble this utter trash yourself, and we're going to convince you how good this is and how great it is to download our app. And uh, I was saying this is a joke, but I guarantee if they could have their way, the next step would be look at how great it is that we... Because they're already doing the kiosks and stuff, you know, in the name of things uh, being better. Everyone's favorite kiosks that are absolutely filthy with that are covered in fecal matter and all of that. But um that's for another day. And uh let's fire all the cooks and get rid of all of them, I was saying sarcastically, and we'll make you actually pay an extra fifteen bucks to go into the kitchen and make this this uh, trash yourself. And uh this is so trendy and it's so cool and Look at how awesome it is. They'll try it. Maybe they'll try to do that one day. Maybe some chain will just just go all in and go go for it, right? Fire all fire them as many employees as you can and make the customers pay more for less and uh and just try to launch a media blitz and tell people how good that is. You know, maybe I'm just in a pessimistic mood tonight, but these are just kind of the vibes it gives me. And, you know, sometimes I read the room wrong and, and I admit that. But uh, that's just my, my my two cents. I get jaded sometimes, as I obviously am now. But sometimes I see that and I can't help but think that that's the road that either A, we're headed down, or B, if things were ever so slightly different, that's where we would be right now. So we tried that out. Wasn't Wasn't very fond of it, you know. Then, before that, I tried out the Little Caesars new Batman Calzone, and I didn't particularly like the item, but I just thought it was gross, and I thought it was actually just too much. But uh, that's how it is with the Calzones. Some people like them, some people hate them, and that's just how it is. It's like, it's, it's the epitome of something that isn't for everyone, and uh, it just wasn't for me. It was like, you know, excessive. It was too excessive in uh, 
in my opinion. So there you have it. You've got, in terms of, uh, let's look, in terms of any new releases coming up, well, there's a few things coming out. What do we have next? Let's do a little research. We have Sorry about that yawn. I've got coffee right here. Let's get a sip. I think I think that's a sign that I need a good sip right now. I'm going to take 5 sips. We got 2 down. Now let's get 3 more in. Five sips of coffee. Hopefully it'll do me well. All right, so Pizza Hut has a Spice Lovers pizza. That one actually looks like it might be good, so we're going to try out that maybe next. Pizza Hut with their spicy pizza might be cool. Oh, what else have we? We've got Burger King bringing back the perennial Big King sandwich. Hmm, maybe you'll try it out. Why not? Burger King. People like... <laughs> who are we kidding? Some people like Burger King, I guess. That's yeah, something to review. We'll probably we'll go for it. We'll try that out at some point. Burger King. Yeah, a few releases here and there. At least there's something, something to try. All right, let's break open the news. Anything to talk about? Anything worth talking about? Of course, there are things to talk about, but anything worth talking about? Eh, nothing really with uh, with the uh, Ukraine situation. We've got a. Uh, why didn't World War Three start yet, guys? Why why hasn't it? I thought. There was some post that I read where some guy was saying that it was going to happen this evening, and that was two weeks ago. So, so wh where are the tanks? Where, where is it all? You know, the usual. I think I said this, and maybe I've just been saying this on the radio. I don't know, but look, Russia knows what they're doing. They, they know how to play the geopolitics game, and they play it damn well, if I may say so myself. That doesn't mean that World War III is just around the corner. Some people say that it's a lot of the Western media trying to promote this notion that World War III is going to happen, and quite frankly, based on what I've seen, I agree wholeheartedly with such an assertion. We've got this war-hungry media that uh, can't stop talking about it. And... Uh, Ain't that the way it goes, though, right? You've seen that with time and again. Ukraine, seen that, remember, 2019 with Venezuela, 2017 with North Korea. It happens over and over and over. Oh, and let's not forget Iran in early 2020. That was largely eclipsed by COVID eventually, but if you remember that, that was the big thing for a week or two in, in 2020 when... Uh, Soleimani got killed. But 
That's why it's good to have skepticism. People would, uh, people will excoriate me for saying that, but let them. I'm at that point, let them. So I think it's good to have some skepticism. You know, take it all in, but you just have to realize that so much of what you see sometimes, yeah, it's for, uh, to tell you what's going on in the world, and, you know, so you could try to be informed and up-to-date and all of that, but, you know, understand that there are other reasons, too, why some things make the news and why some things don't. Sometimes it comes down to just being the usual, right, profit-driven stuff, uh, the media equivalent of clickbait. That's true, we have that. Um, but there's a lot of agenda-driven stuff out there, too, and you get it on both sides, where some people embrace that. You know, it's like you get into this echo chamber, and people only want to hear what they want to hear, and it builds and feeds off of itself, right? That's why you have the different media networks. You have the conservative media and the left-wing media and all of that. It's hard to sometimes find stuff in between, but uh, that's why what I do when I get the news, I get it from all sources. I mean, I get my news, I look at the mainstream, I listen to the radio, I, I read um, different articles, you name it. I'll research things, etc. And I just try to make sense of, of what I can. Uh, because like I said, I always have some skepticism in what I see. I always do. That's just how I am. I can't, I can't change that about myself. Quite frankly, I don't want to change that about myself. So, I always have some skepticism. That can get you in trouble, though. I'm just I'm telling it to you straight up. That can get you in some trouble. But when there's so much that just gets bombarded at you, I, I don't know. I think it's good to just always have a little dose of healthy skepticism and ask questions, even if it's just to yourself. And uh, if you have some free time, try to look for answers and consider bias in what you see. But that makes it sound a whole heck of a lot easier than it really is. I'm just saying, that's what I try to do. A lot of us, we don't have the time for that. And I, I, I get it. I understand it. That's what we have. All right, so one final thing that I would like to discuss... Before we then get into the email correspondence and get into that part of the show, I don't really know the applicability that this has on anyone listening, but it's worth mentioning anyway. Uh, I'm sure those of you know that shortwave radio and international broadcasting is in decline, and that's well established. So the bad news is that another shortwave station is going to be going off the air. And uh, I think it's going to be likely that, that it's, it's going to happen. Uh, the next station that we're going to be losing is going to be The Voice of Greece, which broadcasts on 9420 kilohertz. That's 9420 kilohertz. And... Uh, it's a shame. It's one of those stations that... That's going to be a sad one to lose, admittedly. 
What is this station? It says the Voice of Greece, also known as ERA5, is the international service of Greek state radio on shortwave and via satellite and the internet. It broadcasts in Greek. It has news bulletins. Uh, the programming also includes uh, cultural, political, and folklore programs, as well as musical programs that promote Greek music. It's also characterized by programs that bring it to direct contact with Hellenism through telephone calls and letters. It is not only intended for Greeks living abroad, but also for foreigners living in Greece and abroad, and is transmitted in 12 languages, Greek, English, Spanish, Russian, Polish, Albanian, Romanian, Serbian, Turkish, Arabic. The Voice of Greece is intended for millions of Greeks living in the five continents, for the hundreds of thousands of Greek students, mainly in Europe and the United States, and for the many thousands of Greek sailors at sea. But that's what the station is. Now, it was announced that the CEO of the uh, Greek Broadcasting said as cost-saving measures that they are going to close down the shortwave transmitting facility on March 31st, 2022, and that the Voice of Greece will cease broadcasting on shortwave. The only condition that things could perhaps be saved is if the Ministry of Defense and the Foreign Ministry of Greece decide to oversee the continuation of broadcasts on the shortwave. Now, I feel that that is a false hope. The thing you have to realize these days is how few people actually understand shortwave radio, how few people understand international broadcasting, so to expect two separate government entities to get it is extraordinarily unlikely and something which I do not see happening. But uh, this is going to be a tough loss, at least for me. This is one of those stations that I like. I, I like listening to them. And they're one of the few stations that decided to even bother targeting North America and the United States. And uh, they would come through with a good signal, and I would listen to them for some good Greek music. And uh, it's going to be a sad loss. Uh, it, it really will be. Back when I first started listening to Shortwave, they were one of the first international broadcasters that I listened to, because I'd be able to pick them up very clearly all through the night. They had interesting music, and I was going through some really tough times, and it was something that I could listen to as a means of solace, and it would put my mind in a better place and help distract from what was going on. So I will never forget that. That just to me, it's a station of personal significance. And in general, I think it's a station that lots of listeners over here enjoy. I've seen people saying that, yeah, you know, one of the only reasons I even bother listening to the shortwave is to uh, hear some of the world music on stations like The Voice of Greece. Well, now they're not going to be around anymore, and uh, it's going to be a major loss. Yeah.
This is a shame. This is a good station. One of the few things worth listening to these days. And uh, they will be no more. So, this happens. Nothing anyone can do about it. There have been some proposals going around. I disagree with them. And I'll tell you why. That there are people saying, well, I think everyone who sees this needs to send the Voice of Greece an email and say that they're listening so that they know that they have an audience they're going to lose if they uh, get rid of or discontinue these broadcasts. But I'll tell you why I disagree with that approach. Even if it were to work, it's disingenuous because all of the people writing in are not listeners. It's one thing to write to the Voice of Greece and ask them to reconsider the the decision if you regularly listen to them. Like, I might send them an email because it's just, you know, I, I, I listen to them quite a bit. But if someone only tunes them in, if at all, maybe for like five minutes every five months, doesn't really listen to them, but bombards them with emails saying that they're a regular listener, this, that, and the other thing, and they get enough of that, maybe they will say, oh, look, we have all these listeners, okay, we're going to redo the budget here and we're going to keep it going. But it was through lies. It was through all these people that they now think that they're going to be serving who really don't give it a damn and aren't going to listen to them. Another example of things like this, sometimes I'll see people... This is more of a thing a couple years back, but same type of thing. I remember back when I would frequent Reddit. There was a trend back in 2016 where it was like, if someone, especially a small channel, was being harassed, or had some sort of issue going on, let's make their day by all subscribing to the channel and get them a huge number of subscribers and make them feel good. So I remember (coughs) there were two channels that were being bullied by... uh, Do you remember those content creators back in 2016, like Leafy is here? And those types of guys who would make those videos just making fun of other people. So let's say there's a small channel with maybe a thousand subscribers. And the person has their niche. There's a bigger channel making fun of them. Well, Reddit will come along and say, look, this isn't right. Uh, We don't stand for this bullying. So as a sign of support, I think we should all subscribe to this guy's channel make him more popular, and he's going to have the best day of his life when he wakes up and finds that his channel that only had a 1,000 subscribers now has a 100,000 subscribers and tens of thousands of, of comments and messages of support, etc. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make this kid's day, etc. I've seen this so many times. So everyone subscribes to him, and indeed the channel gets 80,000 subscribers in a day. And you see a video from the content creator in question, usually tears in his eyes, just so happy and and thanking Reddit 
for doing this. This is, you know, this is so awesome. I, I couldn't believe this, you know. Really good feelings all around. But what happens? How many of those people who subscribed to those channels as a gesture of goodwill, let's be real, act actually give a damn about the content? How many people subscribed to the channel because they think the videos are quality material and are something that they would actually watch regularly? Or how many of them just subscribed not because they really care, but because, well, it's, you know, it feels good. I want to help this guy. And what happens every single time? It starts off strong at first, but over the weeks, views decline, subscribers decline, people begin uns unsubscribing, the attention dies down, you check back in six months, the channel has just as few views as it did before the influx in new viewers, it's hemorrhaging subscribers, and so often now you see these sad videos from the creator in question who doesn't understand why things happened this way, and they say, look, I, I don't understand, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, I, I feel like I'm the problem, my content's the problem, no one wants to watch me, everyone's unsubscribing, and the views are just completely in the tubes, etc. And I feel like this is all my fault. And now they're stuck with a rapidly dying channel, all because of what was supposed to be some sort of good deed. A lot of it leads to depression and uh, blaming oneself. So it's an example of something that looks like a good idea, but really, any sort of influx from people who are not even serious, uh, usually, maybe it has some short-term good, but long-term, not a chance. So that's why I disagree with the approach of writing to the voice of Greece and letting them know that there's listeners because it'll just be one of those situations, and there's no point. So I'm not even going to share their email address. I'm not even going to share their contact information. There's ways that you could find it if you want to, but I refuse to encourage those sorts of things. And uh, I am... Maybe I'm just despondent, but it just doesn't seem right to me. So... I'm not going to sit here and advocate that something be manipulated to try to garner an outcome that may not otherwise happen. You might say, yeah, but that's how people get ahead in life. That's true. That's exactly what they do. But it just goes against what I feel is right, that's all. But the voice of Greece, there are ways to contact them, and they're pretty easy to find, so if you want to do that, you know where to look. But otherwise, just enjoy it while it's while it's still here, because it'll be gone. 9420 kilohertz. Check in the evenings and overnight, especially. That said, I want to get into the fan mail portion of the program now. If you tuned in, any questions, comments, pieces of feedback, topic suggestions are welcome. It'll be a pleasure to hear from you. V-O-R-W... I-N-F-O at gmail.com Once again, that's V-O-R-W I-N-F-O at gmail.com If there's anything that you would like to share, any comments, 
What are your thoughts on the closure of the voice of Greece, right? What do you think of that situation? What do you think about what's going on in the world? Uh, anything. What do you want to talk about? Any questions, comments, topic suggestions, pieces of feedback are welcome. V O R W I N F O at gmail.com. Maybe listen to some of the emails that I'll be reading in a moment. And uh, consider writing in if there's something that you'd like to share and have responded to in the next show that I do. And now let's read some emails. I'm just going to go through what I can. I don't really have them organized as well as I should, but that's going to be kind of the fun of it all, since I don't even know what I'm in for. Oh, we're just going to go through them and let's see, right? Let's see what we have. On this page, we have one and a two and three. And you might be saying, why are you wasting my time counting the emails? Oh, why not? <laughs> I'm in a time-wasting mood today. And let's look. I think that's about it for this page. Yeah, that's it. All right, that's it for there. Yeah, we'll go mark off this one. And this one. And this one. And that's it. Okay. Very good. We'll start off with this. We got one, two, three, four, five, six emails. All right. This is a question that I get sometimes. It's not, I know it's not a, but it's a question, a general question from Saray. Or maybe it's Siri. Anyway, I've been a watcher of your channel for multiple years. I started listening to your podcast and wanted to know why the earliest episode is number 112. Was it intentional, or do you plan on uploading the rest on there too? So, long story short, the, uh, yeah, if you go back on the SoundCloud and you're looking through it, um, you know, I'm going to go right now. And you look through the SoundCloud, I think, or is the person talking about it? Either way, it doesn't really matter. It's going to be the same for either one. So, the first one available would be show number 113, because I'll give a very brief history. I could talk about this for probably 90 minutes minimum. And this is going to be the condensed, probably, minute-and-a-half, two-minute version of it. This podcast has a long history, V-O-R-W, but it's been a transformative history, meaning it hasn't always been the same show, it hasn't always been in the same place, etc. And that's just how it is. I first started V-O-R-W in early 2014 on the main YouTube channel, The Report of the Week. And that original podcast, VORW, lasted uh, with interruptions on occasion up until 2018, so about four years uh, as a podcast on the main YouTube channel, The Report of the Week. I pulled it from that YouTube channel for several reasons. Number one, and most importantly, it was having a negative effect on the YouTube channel. For some reason, um, 
I was trying to grow the channel, and these long videos that had very little interest, by and large, from the viewing audience, it was hurting me in the algorithm big time. I was losing subscribers because of it. It was hurting the performance of other videos. It was literally dragging down the rest of the channel, which is my livelihood. So, in 2018, I stopped the full, long podcasts. Now, concurrently, I also was doing a radio show, which similarly goes by the name VORW Radio International. I have been doing the radio show, which is a totally different entity from this podcast, since 2015, and I still do it to this day. That has been essentially uninterrupted. There's a little break in the beginning because of finances, but from 2016 on, I've been consistently at it with no sign of stopping. Why am I saying this? Because in 2018, having stopped the podcast on the main channel, I decided, you know, I'm just going to combine the two, and I'm going to keep doing the radio show, but maybe I'll incorporate a little more talk into it um, if people want that. So for the rest of 2018, I was doing the podcast and was combining that with the radio show. That was going out on a shortwave and on SoundCloud. Well, people didn't really like that. It pissed a lot of people off. They didn't like the merger of the two, because people who like just the music that I would, I still do in the broadcast said, yeah, there's too much talk now. I like the music. But then the other thing, all the people that just sit there and fall asleep to this show um, didn't like the music, and were saying, well, that's a problem, because how am I supposed to fall asleep now when I have, you know, whatever song it might be, some sort of rock music that comes in at random. I can't do that. And uh, no one was happy. I mean, a few people were, but by and large, people were not satisfied with that change. So then, in early 2019, I split them again. And I kept doing the radio show, but... I decided to re-resume the podcast as its own YouTube channel and have that on SoundCloud and all the podcast hosting sites. Alright, well now that I know the show has been around a while, that still doesn't explain why it starts at 1.13, because at show number 1.13 of the radio show... Now, yeah, the numbering is kind of stupid. Honestly, I should just get rid of the numbering because it's just it's idiotic and confusing at this point. It does nothing except cause confusion. I should probably just delete the numbering in the title, quite frankly, because before then, there was music in the shows that maybe had a little bit of talk. And I had to delete all of those shows that had any music in them from SoundCloud or anywhere else because of copyright issues. So, 113 was the first show where I fully separated the two entities, the radio show and the podcast, in early 2019, and that was the first one that I did separately, you know, since I kind of merged the two, that uh, didn't have any music. Hence the numbering. But it's just, it is confusing at this point, and, and uh, I should, at some point, do something about that, and, you know try to uh, 
limit confusion because it's a good question though it is you know why 113 but that's why some of the discussions were um in those previous shows before 113 i did put on the youtube channel with some of the first uploads on the vorw channel and uh, presently i do the radio show four times a week four hours of that each week the podcast happens when it does uh I don't like the, you know, my choice. Um, The YouTube channel just causes a lot of problems. But uh, maybe I'll figure out something to do with the channel so it doesn't die completely, but uh, I don't know. I'm happier when it's not on that channel. That's me personally. Thanks for your question. Alessandro checks in. I hope all is well. I just watched your video on, gosh, this is a throwback from 2018, the McDonald's Quarter Pounder Bacon Burger of My Dreams. I found it very interesting how you talked about dreams in Area 51. I personally like hearing you talk about what's on your mind while reviewing the food. You seem to be in a minority. A lot of people just say, eat the food. But thank you. I'm glad that you uh, appreciate that. Question for the VORW podcast. I am from Miami, and I love going up to the theme parks in Orlando, though I think it's too expensive. Personally, Velocicoaster in Universal is my favorite ride. I was wondering if you enjoy visiting the parks, and if so, what is your favorite ride? If you don't like amusement parks, have you seen the rocket launches at NASA? Thanks for all the years of content, and I hope you have an excellent day or night. Thank you, Alessandro, in Miami. I've been to Disney. Um, I haven't been to Disney in years, though, the parks themselves, nor have I really any intention of going. It's just too uh, crowded or not, and that's regardless of... uh, I just don't like being around lots of people. I don't care, you know. This was an opinion and approach that I had long before COVID, ever. I am just a recluse. I like being, you know, the fewer people I am around, the better. I do not like crowded places, noisy spaces, congested locations, um, all of this stuff I'm not a fan of. And when I see that they keep packing in the parks, more and more and more, shoulder to shoulder practically, because guess what? They know people are going to show up. Why? Why have a quality experience anymore? They know that they could just herd the people in like cattle and uh, raise the prices, lower the quality of experience, and they're still going to get them to show up. They're still going to get their uh, their takers. So I feel like a lot of the quality in the parks especially Disney, has declined considerably. I think that it's too crowded to be enjoyable. It was too crowded in 2015 or so. Before then, it was always crowded, but uh, it's just intimidating at this point, and it's, I don't want to... Uh, it's just not me, that's all. And uh, a lot of the experience, the quality thereof, at least I've heard, has gone downhill. I've never been to Universal, but again, I've been to Disney. I've been to all the Disney parks. And uh, my favorite park is probably Epcot. 
I'm kind of an Epcot person. Although my favorite, all-time favorite ride at Disney is not an Epcot ride. Um, how many of you listening who are familiar with the Disney World rides, you want to take a guess as to what my favorite ride is? Go for it. Take a guess. All right. My favorite ride is Haunted Mansion. Easily. that Nothing comes close to that. Haunted Mansion, easily my favorite over at Magic Kingdom. That ride is awesome. Haunted Mansion, it's just the best. I even have a few Haunted Mansion neckties. But that's a good one. That's, that's as good as it gets right there. Uh, my favorite park, though, is uh, Epcot. I like the World Showcase. I like the one, what is it called, Spaceship Earth. You know, the ball ride, the, the giant sphere. I like that one. Uh, test track at Epcot is pretty good, too. Uh, what else is... Uh, you know, they got rid of it, sadly, but I always liked Universe of Energy over at Epcot. That was kind of my speed, and I liked it, but they got rid of it, of course, because it was dated and uh, all of that. But I enjoyed it. I went on that many times. And... Uh, yeah, Epcot is a fun park. I like Epcot. Soarin', right? You can't forget about that. That was a good one, too. And the one... Was that a, was that Nemo? Where you go through the aquarium and you're looking at all the fish? Whatever ride that is, I like that one, too. That one was, was uh, quite spectacular. And I could gaze upon all the fishies in the aquarium for a long time. So that was good. Uh, as for Magic Kingdom, what rides did I like? Well, obviously, the uh, Haunted Mansion. And then uh, the the Seven Dwarves Mine Train was pretty good. Um, yeah, all the other rides were... Uh, Carousel of Progress, some people say that's boring, but I like it. I like it. The Hall of Presidents is nice, too. The, uh, I don't even know if this is a ride, but I personally just like the people mover. That thing is kind of cool. Space Mountain, not a fan of. Not a fan of it. Been on it a couple times. It's just not me. And, uh, I know I'm missing some stuff. Hollywood Studios, it just is what it is. There's some cool things about that park that I really like, but so many rides appear. Um, reliant on simulators, and I'm not a fan of that. They make me highly uncomfortable. Tower of Terror, that's a good ride. I'm a fan of that one. And, uh... Animal Kingdom, I like the uh, little safari there that you could see all the different creatures. Good question, thanks for uh, writing in. And yes, indeed, I've seen many a rocket launch with my own eyes. Many rocket launches from... NASA, and uh, SpaceX as well. What have we next? We hear from... Let's see. Uh, just a short comment from Ryan. I wanted to touch on something. You mentioned last podcast about 2009 to 2010 being the beginning of a short heyday for energy drinks. At that time, a really big promotional occurrence in the energy drink um, 
would was happening. My favorite athlete, Sebastian Vettel, was winning everything in Formula One auto racing for the Red Bull racing team. Formula One has proved to be very influential to international advertising, and from 2010 to 2013, every season was won by Vettel driving for Red Bull. I wonder if this had anything to do with some of the aforementioned energy drink golden age. Obviously, there are more energy drinks than Red Bull, but with a large commercial occurrence like that taking place, perhaps it pushed sales industry-wide for a short time. Uh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure of it. I know a lot of energy drinks were well-known for their sporting event sponsorships. So yeah, that wouldn't surprise me one single bit. Um, I'm sure that had an effect, definitely. Uh, we hear from Micro in Northern California checking in. Said, I'm planning to move from Northern California to another state in a couple of months. I think I might choose Seattle, Washington, because I like the climate and it seems like a nice city in a cool area with lots of mountains and forests nearby. I've considered New York City because I like the hustle of the big cities, but I also like mountains and forests that you would find in Montana or Idaho, and Seattle seems to be the best of both worlds. Do you have any thoughts on Seattle or the state of Washington from Micro? So thank you for your question. Um, yeah, you know, you're not going to like this answer. I say, look, moving is an individual thing, and your views are going to be different than mine, and uh, I respect that. So I think if you want to live in Seattle, then, I mean, just make an informed decision. Moving is a big deal. And, uh, you know, don't don't jump the gun. Um, make a reasonable choice. Check out areas. Try, if you can, to get a full experience of stuff before pulling the trigger on anything. And uh, go from there. And if you really like it, uh, make your move. Obviously, it all depends in terms of how, how much time you have or in terms of urgency thereof. Sometimes you can't do that, but... Um, just try to get a feel for, for things first. But um, the Pacific and North, Northwest in general isn't for everyone. Uh, as for me, personally, I, w I love the climate there. Never been there. So this is purely secondhand. Um, but the climate there would be beautiful. I wish there were places that weren't in the Pacific Northwest that had that splendid weather. Specifically, the preponderance of cloudy days, foggy days, and nicer temperate uh, conditions in terms of the temperature, of course. Bit redundant, but nonetheless, um, weather-wise, fantastic. And I would like to see more of that in somewhere that's not the Pacific Northwest. But as for me, you know, it's look, it's, it's what you're comfortable with. It's what you want out of a place. And uh, some people are going to look at places like Portland and Seattle, and they're going to say, this is a paradise, and I dream of living here. If someone has that view, I respect it. Then do what you can, ethically, of course, to, you know, and look, see if you could get there one day. Other people are going to say, look, that's just not for me. Um, 
I try to, I look, I try to be sensible, but uh, it's just not for me. You know, Portland isn't for me, Seattle isn't for me, the state of Oregon and the state of Washington aren't for me. Um, that's all that I can say. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, just because I may not be a fan, it uh, doesn't mean that you should never live there. Look, I encourage you to go there. I encourage you to check it out. And uh, I hope you're able to wind up where you want to be. I sincerely do. It's just not for me. It's just like some people look at Florida and they say, ah, that state, I don't know about it. I just don't want to live there. You have other people that would give anything to go to Florida and live there. And they say, man, I wish I could live there. I'd give anything to live in Florida right now. So it's all a matter of perspective. But that's all that there is to it. If I were to live in the Pacific Northwest or that part of the country, I would probably choose uh, Idaho or Montana, one or the other, and go with that. But uh, that would just be if I had to choose. All right, into more questions we go. We have... This is a short one. Uh, just a listener who wanted a shout-out, so why not? Uh, Elizabeth in Longmont, Colorado, uh, said, uh, Just found your channel, wanted to give a shout-out from Longmont, Colorado. We'll keep listening to your YouTube channel and podcast. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with the world. Thank you, Elizabeth, out there in Colorado, listening in. Thanks for writing in. Caleb is checking in. I'm, I don't know what this, uh, I don't know. Uh, wondering if you have a time frame available for when you can produce more podcasts. I'm not sure what you mean by that. I'll have to ask for further clarification because I thought I mentioned, or maybe I didn't. Sometimes stuff slips my mind and that's just, that's just me. That's on me where I, uh, I think I say something and then I didn't. I thought I mentioned that this show is just indeterminate these days and that I just do it when I do it, and that's just how it is. But uh, maybe I didn't. Maybe I thought that that's what I said, but I really didn't. Apologies if that's the case. All right. What do we have next? Melinda from Indiana. I know you have done some White Castle reviews in the past and was curious if you have gone to the new location they opened in Orlando. It's supposed to be the largest one in the world and it looks quite swanky with the outdoor mood lighting and seating. Well, as swanky as White Castle can get, maybe outside of their over-the-top Valentine celebrations said they canceled the celebrations for this year. Be well, Melinda in Indiana. Uh, thank you for writing. I've never been there, and I will call that place right now what I feel it is. Um, at least my opinion of it. The place is a hellhole. It really is. Not that I have anything against White Castle um, itself, although... It's, uh, problem is that onions just give me immense pain 
discomfort and make me feel sick these days, so I can't enjoy White Castle anymore. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to, uh, you know, not going to, uh, go there one day, but it's just... So there's that. That's an issue. But I think the place is just a hellhole. Um, now, maybe they've gotten their act t together, but here's the problem. When I look at that place, you know what comes to my mind? This article from the Orlando Weekly. It reads as follows. World's largest white castle had 20 health code violations in first inspection after opening. That is egregious, if you ask me. And, uh... Nine of the violations, all right, were basic, but there were high-priority violations, too, that uh, could get someone really sick or even kill someone. And uh, this is an establishment that prides itself as being the world's largest white castle, one of the only white castles in the South, huge crowds, huge attendance. I'm sure it's got corporate breathing down its neck, and they have 20 health code violations? Could you imagine the state of that place when people stop paying attention? So, when I see that, I shudder and I think to myself, you know, I would be in discomfort to begin with just because of how I am with onions these days, and I, it's, it's a damn shame I can't enjoy a lot of the food I used to. But, uh, add that to the mix, I don't know. It just, uh, it scares me a bit. So, I, maybe they cleaned up their act. I hope they did. I don't have any faith or confidence that they did. I hope so, though. And, uh, I can't help, though, that every time I see that, that's what I think of now. So there you have it. Uh, Jack is checking in with a 2022 prediction. What the heck? Let's read it. Why not? I think 2022 will be all the same. Seems so divided, at least politically, that I think we will just see both sides again being reactionary to each other. Uh, unlike what you said, but we can... Uh, unlike where we can be safe, but also keep living because Omicron has proven to be a less violent strand of COVID. However, from what I've seen in Canada with their protests, who knows, uh, we could be in store for a crazy year. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so Book of Boba Fett has been great, and the Obi-Wan show will be fantastic. No, I'm a little late, but I'm just getting caught up on the episodes from Jack. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, you know, the protest in Canada, the... Uh, the Freedom Convoy and the uh, the trucker protest um, was way bigger than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was one of those things that... Um, I thought it was definitely going to have a couple hundred trucks at least, but in the thousands, nationwide movement now. The uh, Even a worldwide movement, people protesting the mandates and all of that, a lot of the truck drivers. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating, though, it depends on who you ask what their uh, what their thoughts are going to be. You know, you ask one person, and you say, well, what do you think of what's going on in Canada? 
and someone will say this is great uh, you have these hard-working truck drivers standing up to tyranny and are protesting insane mandates we need to see more of this and hopefully it's just the beginning you could ask another person and funnily enough if that's a word you know what i mean though they'll say well what's happening here uh, we are seeing tyrannical protests from extremists who are terrorizing the major cities have insane demands and are knowingly inflicting misery on the populace. Now, I don't see too many middle-of-the-road positions on the truckers and all of that, the convoys, etc. Yeah, I'm not going to go there on this uh, podcast. I talked about it in much greater detail on the radio show, though. Lou is checking in. Said, uh, sent in an article. Brawl at Golden Corral Buffet after steak runs out. How long before we risk our lives before we go to the bell? It was Golden Corral tier, not even Outback level. From Lou. Thank you, Lou. Yeah, he sent in this um, massive brawl breaks out in Bensalem Golden Corral over alleged steak shortage. You see this video, you see all these degenerates there throwing chairs at each other, fighting each other, hurting each other, destroying the poor restaurant in, this, in the process. Bensalem, Pennsylvania. Friday night turned into a melee at a Golden Corral restaurant. Police are trying to figure out how it started. And an employee of the restaurant said the fight may have happened after a customer became enraged when the buffet ran out of steak. Can you imagine that? Tearing up this restaurant, smacking strangers over the head with chairs for this absolute dismal quality steak at that? Yeah, you know, how, how did you get hospitalized? Well, I got to fight over this absolute low, lowest tier, if you could even call it steak, that'd be in quotation marks right there, from Golden Corral. What a, what a, what a story that is. Horrible. Yeah, just, just awful. Ridiculous behaviors, societal degradation, etc. People willing to do this to each other for absolute, number one, trash food. You have people that actually find such a, such actions something that they would even do. It's insanity to me. Thanks for writing. We've got Violet in Moldova, who said, I watched a video and remembered something. It's a, a video that goes by the name a new spy plane, you be the judge. And it was a uh, strange-looking aircraft that was filmed in the skies, a triangular aircraft in the skies of uh, Amarillo, Texas, a few years ago. But anyway, you say, I saw this video and remembered something. I kept seeing in the summer something strange flying in the sky. It was in the summer because I spent more time outside, both in daytime and nighttime, 
as the uh, calm and warm weather doesn't last long here. I usually see these aircraft by accident. That's because they don't make any sound. Also, they don't look like the ones from the video. I mean, the shape. It's not like a Dorito triangular uh, aircraft. It's much more slender and can't tell if it has wings. It's almost invisible in terms of movement. It almost looks like a flying piece of mirror. A very fast, silent piece of mirror. And I saw them almost every day, at least once per day, flying in different directions. I'm not an expert on stealth aircraft and have no idea what country owns them, but their number increased in the last two years, or maybe I became more observant. Now, about the nighttime, I live in two places. One is a village with no street lights, and I adore that. It's pitch black, and the night sky is clearly visible. Again, almost every night I see... nothing? Well, something is definitely flying in the sky, but I could only see... all I could see is one blinking white light, uh, like of a simple airplane, maybe smaller and less bright, blinking once on a spot, then after a few seconds a bit further, repeating about two to four times, and after that the light disappears, but it can vary. Sometimes it can blink once or twice in the same spot, then disappear completely. It can change the direction, appearing parallel to the line where it's flying, or turning back. The sightings, I'm not sure if that's the correct word to use, would be about two to ten seconds. The only connection to the daytime stealth aircraft is the lack of sound. There is a difference. In the daytime, I mostly see them by accident. In the nighttime, it's because I can feel them. Um, mostly from 2200 to zero hours, usually busy with something weird at the time, uh, reading, listening, watching stuff, etc. Doing uh, pull-ups on a metal bar under a tree, where part of the uh, sky is visible. Walking in the woods or fields while slapping mosquitoes. Uh, nighttime brings out a lot of insects and animals. And when I see them, I turn into David Attenborough, forgetting about the sky. While my attention is somewhere else, I suddenly feel something. A sensation similar to being watched by someone. I look exactly at the spot where that thing is flying. It can be in front of me, above, behind my back, but it's always there. If you think that it's a satellite, you're wrong. It was below the Carmen line, somewhere at an airplane height. A lot of people believe that UFOs are human-made technology. What do you think about this? I'll deviate from the sky and tell you something. I wrote about a banshee screaming in the garden of a married couple. It said that it can warn about death. Coincidence or not, but her husband had headaches and was diagnosed with brain cancer a year later. It was too late, died the same year. He worked in agriculture, was spraying the pesticides, inhaled some, and perished. That's all. Have a peaceful sky. Goodbye. Well, thank you, Violet in Moldova. A, a very nice email there. I always like your emails. Now, that's interesting. I would wager that you might be seeing some sorts of experimental or uh, surveillance aircraft, um, especially given your location in Moldova, 
Um, maybe they're Russian aircraft. Maybe they're American aircraft. But um, I bet it's one or the other. Now, are they types of drones? Are they piloted? Who's to say? But uh, I'm certain that there's some sort of surveillance type of aircraft. And I think that some people are definitely more sensitive and per per uh, perceptive than others. So it makes sense to me that you feel something, like maybe you feel that sensation of being watched, because you may very well be. Uh, these aircraft are very likely surveying, I would feel anyway, the area. They may be surveying your area, and there's just a part of you that can sense when you're being observed. That's why you can pinpoint at night where those aircraft are, because they may indeed be watching you. So I understand when you when you mention that feeling, to me it makes sense, and uh, I understand that. Sometimes I'll be outside at night, and I'll look at the skies, and uh, there's a resource called Flight Radar 24 that's an aircraft radar, and when I hear helicopters especially, I uh, always check and I see if I could find it on the radar, and then I'll look up the call letters and the registration, and I'll try to figure out, is it a police helicopter? Is it a news helicopter? Is it a tourist helicopter? A medical helicopter? You know, what's this helicopter doing? Who does it belong to? Same thing with certain aircraft. I will look them up and try to see. And I like the details that you could find. Like right now, um, I'm going to go to that site right now. I'm indoors, obviously, but I'm going to look at the nearest aircraft, and then let's see the details I could find out about this. So let's go. Alright, I'm looking here, and I see that there is a small aircraft that is flying right now at an altitude of 10,900 feet. It's going 201 miles per hour. It's a Piper PA-46M600 aircraft. I've got the registration. It's a small little plane. And it's going from Morristown, New Jersey to Rutland, Vermont. And I have the times, the location, the speed, etc. But I could identify it. Now, does that do anything for me? No, but it does provide perhaps some peace of mind. Um, you could sometimes see some military aircraft. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Um, looking over in Florida, I do see some, well, former military aircraft. I bet that there's an air show or something that they're preparing for. Because I see over here there's a plane that flew out of uh, Sebring, Florida, and it's an aero L-39 Albatross, high-performance trainer jet developed in Czechoslovakia during the 60s. And he's just doing circles and circles over this very rural area. Actually, looks like he's flying around over the Avon Park Air Force range at an altitude of 8,900 feet, going about uh, 207 miles per hour. 
So I bet this pilot is probably practicing through an air show. But uh, that's kind of cool that you could see that. So if you heard that jet circling around and around, you could figure out what's going on. Um, but again, you could see some aircraft that, again, are more from the military or Air Force. Not all of them. they got to have the transponder a certain way, etc. But um, I'll pick them up. On occasion, I'll, I'll search for different things. And like I said, sometimes it can provide a certain uh, peace of mind. You'll see interesting things. Nonetheless, though, there have been instances where I will hear or see various aircraft in the distance that look like they're up very high, and I can't find anything about them. They don't show up on the radar. They don't show up on any site, because there's other sites, too, not just this one, and I'll cross-check the different databases, and there's nothing. And there was one aircraft, I remember once I was outside, I was having a bit of a fire, um, burning some stuff. And way off in the distance, now this was like at 3 a.m., I was sitting there taking in the nice flames and all of that with the radio on next to me. And it was great, but way off in the distance, had to be probably 100 miles away or something, very far, there was this light that was very high up. It's ever so slowly moving. Couldn't find anything about it. Um, was it a satellite in that case? Maybe, but it was, I don't know, I think it was a high altitude, some sort of aircraft not on the radar. There's one instance where, kind of similar to you, late at night, 4 a.m., I look straight up. and Way up, I see this one aircraft, just with one light, kind of like that. Not quite, but um, moving by silent. Not a satellite, it was lower than that. Couldn't find a single thing about it, so that was definitely probably some sort of government aircraft. I think a lot of UFOs, at least the bulk, maybe all of them, I don't know. I'm leaving the realm open to uh, possible extraterrestrials, but uh, I would say the vast majority, 995 to 9 to maybe even 100% of sightings are government, um, government aircraft, experimental spy planes, experimental aircraft, various types of drones. So I think that's what they are. And also sometimes this misidentification of other things. Uh, even, I bet there have been people who have seen a jet airliner and thought the thing was a UFO. Sometimes people just see, oh, lights in the sky, it's got to be uh, the aliens. But it's not always the case, you know. But yeah, sometimes I'll see those aircraft and I'll get paranoid and I'll feel like I'm being watched, probably because I am being watched. That's why it, it is watching me. That's exactly what it's doing. Not necessarily me specifically, perhaps, but it might have a camera looking down and I would be in its view. I guarantee the CIA and stuff can see, can see so much from those vantage points, it would blow anything out of the water be unlike anything you've ever seen they've had that technology for a while i bet but um it's totally doable they might even have technology so advanced that they could see me in this basement right now from a high altitude um drone or something they might have stuff that can see through all of this and can see me down here who knows i'm not saying that's always that's a guarantee but if I find out one day that that's possible, 
I wouldn't be surprised. Now oh, some news out of New Jersey just broke. Um, they're getting rid of the mask mandate in New Jersey schools. They're going to eliminate that for children and staff. That case is plummet 43%. So there you have it over in New Jersey. That's the thing, though, you know, about... I think some people get wrong about mask mandates. It's that if there isn't a mandate, you could still wear a mask if you want to. Um, no one's going to stop you about that. An email comes in from a listener who goes by the name Snow. Have you ever thought about doing a team-up with Ordinary Sausage or another cooking show? Uh, or reviewing things like microwavable foods? Hope you're having a great night and week. May the worst of 2022's reviews be behind you. Oh, thank you. I'm not much of a person to do a collaboration. You know, I wish... It's hard for a lot of people to understand. Also, respectfully, I don't know who Ordinary Sausage is, but, um... That's just me. I have no, nothing to say anything bad about that. Um, I'm not a collaboration person. And people take that the wrong way. They say, well, look at you. You're so high and mighty. You sit there thinking you're better than everyone because you don't do collaborations. Uh, get off your high horse. Get over yourself and collaborate. But that's not true at all. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, and waste the time to say how I really feel about myself, i.e., it's nothing good. And that's another reason why I'm so amazed that people actually watch my channel and listen to this, because what, what do I even have to offer? If I were to answer that honestly, no, nothing, really, absolutely nothing. But I know people beg to differ, but anyway, I'm not here to talk about that. Um, it all comes down to just how I personally feel in terms of comfort, anxieties, uh, paranoia as discussed, and uh, just in general, just general health-wise, even physically. Um, you know, there are issues, there are limitations, and I am so insanely introverted and completely reclusive that even if it would greatly benefit the channel, and there's no animosity, nothing, I would still pass up a collaboration. I just can't get myself to do it. I just, it's, it's mental, and in terms of what you're comfortable doing, I can't. I, I, regardless of how beneficial it may be, I just can't get myself to do it. I just can't get there. You know, it's just not, it's not happening. I'm just not a collaboration person. And it's not that... I hate this assumption, if you're not going to work with this person and you obviously don't appreciate what they do, and you don't like what they do, you think you're better than them, what a load of nonsense that is. I wager for some, maybe that attitude holds true. But in my case, it's not, and it's just disappointing how you have some people that make these generalizations in terms of that, and assume that it's for got to be for some petty narcissistic reason as opposed to something more but that's just why I don't do collaborations not um for any other reason than that uh Carter is checking in with a quick question 
a question upon which I can have uh, a long answer to. It depends on how I answer it. Are there any great world news sources on shortwave? I want to learn more about countries besides the USA. Thanks for your help in advance. So uh, thank you for your question. And uh, the answer to that is yes, there are. Although I will include a caveat in saying that the amount of stations that broadcast news on shortwave in English, and I'll assume since you mention the United States, uh, you're in North America, the number of things you can pick up is in decline. This is a medium that's dying, and I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Uh, Some people these days like to pretend that it's just as alive now as it was in the 80s or 90s, and that's not the case. Uh, This is a dying medium, but it's not a dead medium, despite what some people say. But yes, you have all sorts of stations that still provide news um, from different perspectives. Uh, A lot of these international broadcasters, I'll give a few examples of what you can pick up. Uh, You have the major news broadcasters, like the BBC World Service, which uh, I think undoubtedly would have more of a left-wing lean toward their news. You can hear them on a variety of frequencies. You have the Voice of America, which broadcasts uh, in English, kind of from a U.S. government perspective, again, also left-leaning. You'll have stations such as the Voice of Turkey, um, which we'll talk about current events. You have Radio Romania International. The two, those two stations target the U.S. Uh, you have Radio Prague, Radio Slovakia International, uh, Radio Argentina al exterior. Um, they broadcast in English to North America, too. You have KBS World Radio from South Korea. You have The Voice of Korea from North Korea. You have... China Radio International, of course, representing the CCP and their viewpoint. Uh, All of them broadcast to North America. You've got all sorts of stations that still do. Radio Thailand, World Service. You can pick up NHK World Radio Japan. Though they don't target the U.S., so their kind of signal is a little iffy. But, oh yeah, you could find stuff from all different perspectives and viewpoints. You name it. And, uh, of course, you could hear my own show on the shortwave where I try to talk about the news and issues of the day. As a matter of fact, looking at the time, uh, a broadcast of mine is going to be coming up in about one minute. And I find myself right in the heart of the target area, so I'm going to see if I could pick it up with my own little radio. Uh, You could listen in to Radio Exterior de España, Vatican Radio, The Voice of Vietnam, uh, Radio Habana Cuba... That's a big one. You could hear them very easily in North America, uh, etc. So yes, there are stations, uh, international broadcasters, that do uh, offer a variety of perspectives on things going around in the world that you do not hear about on the mainstream media, and uh, bear that in mind. All right, let's check this out. Let's see if we can... uh Let's see if we can pick up this VORW airing. It's a rebroadcast. It's going to be the Sunday show. Let's see. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and there I am. Listening 
W Radio International, the voice of the report of the week, going out to you this Sunday, the 6th of February, 2022. Okay, yeah, it's, it's the Sunday show. Alright, well that's good. Good. We'll check back in in a little bit. Good to hear. Good to hear that it's coming in so clearly. That's what I was hoping for. Um, but yeah, you have these international broadcasters out there still. Uh, there aren't as many as there used to be, granted. There used to be so many more. I mean, even... When I first started listening to shortwave, and I only started listening in the early 2010s, so many other stations have gone off the air. I mean, Radio Canada International is gone. Uh, RTE Radio, they're gone from the shortwave. That's Ireland. Radio Netherlands Worldwide is gone. Radio Poland is gone. Radio Ukraine, Radio Belarus, The Voice of Russia, Radio Serbia, every last one of them gone. The English service of Radio France International is gone. The English service of DW is gone. Radio Libya is gone. The voice of Tunisia is gone. Uh, Radio Sultanate of Oman is gone. Radio Pakistan is gone. All India Radio, their English service is gone. Radio Australia ceases to exist. And the list goes on and on and on. You know the way it goes. But you still have stations on the air, but I just preface this with a warning, the medium is dying. And it's not dead yet, we've got a couple years left. So if you want to get into it, just understand it's not what it used to be even just seven years ago. And uh, it's going to get worse with every single year. Lately, the uh, video that I, I did back in 2018, the state of shortwave radio, that video for some reason has been getting passed around in the YouTube algorithm for some weird reason i have no i have no idea why the hell it's being watched at this point but either way um people are seeing it once again the amount of views has uh, kind of picked up a bit but uh even that video is uh is a bit it's not completely dated but the medium is deader now than it was even in 2018. But you know, for some reason, the video's been getting promoted again, and I don't understand why, but, you know, I guess it is what it is. Yeah, in the last 90 days, for some weird reason, the video's gotten 60,000 views. For a while, it was just kind of sitting there, and then it gets views again, but I feel bad. I feel like it's a video that's already lying to people, because there is already... There's uh, less on the air now than there was back then. And uh, people just have to understand that when I say this medium is in decline, I'm dead serious about it. But I still recommend getting a radio. It's not that dead yet where there's nothing. But uh, I am convinced I don't see it making it out of the 2020s, at least as it entered. No, I just don't see that. It had so many stations. Would you believe it that there's stations that left the airwaves, like Radio Kuwait, and, uh, like All India Radio, that shut down their shortwave broadcasts because of COVID? Does that make any sense to you? Can COVID 
infect the shortwave transmitters. Somehow stations are able to function by having just a limited number of people in the studio or remote work, but All India Radio had to shut down completely and leave the airwaves because of COVID. That makes no sense to me. Anyway, that was a little rant, but yes, uh, there are world news sources on shortwave. That's one of the reasons why I like the medium still. You get some nice perspective, and uh, I say get into it and enjoy it while it lasts, because if you wait any longer, there's going to be nothing left to enjoy. So enjoy it, listen to these international broadcasters, and if you do, don't have to do it often, but just send the stations that you listen to, just, you know, say... To, let's say Radio Romania, just let them know that someone's listening, because otherwise uh, they'll leave the airwaves, because they think no one out there listens anymore. But uh, that's what we have there. So thanks for your question. Yeah, I, I do a little bit of a news uh, brief in my shortwave broadcast at the beginning. I talk about some select current events, um, you know, and I give my perspective on it. And... Uh, it seems to go over well, and uh, people seem to like that. You know, I try to do a, uh, a take that isn't overly one way or the other. I try to just take a, uh, well, at least an approach that makes sense to me in terms of tackling the insanity in this world. But let's see. Let's check in on the airing right now, and let's see what I'm talking about. Yes, that's what we were uh, talking about. We were talking about some of the deplorable conditions over there in the Olympics, etc. <laughs> no real surprises, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, the, you know the way it goes. All right, coming through good, though. That's good. That's what we want to see. But yeah, get into it now, because otherwise it's going to be a day pretty soon where there's going to be nothing left. And then if you wanted to get in, it's pointless, because there's nothing to enjoy. So, uh... That's all. You know, just enjoy what you can while you can. There's still stuff on the air, but man, it's, uh, it's going away. It's dying, going away. Like, so much that... So much that I, uh... I enjoy at this point, it's all going away. But that's just what it is, you know? I don't expect the world to revolve around me or any of that. I don't expect the stuff to last forever just because I like it. It's, you know, it's silly. All right. That reminds me, one of the stupidest things I've seen in terms of the world of shortwave, one of the stupidest, pettiest things I've seen 
in a very long time. You know, we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that a little later. Um, about these stations in Germany squabbling and jamming one another. Legal stations. They're supposed to be professionals, and they're acting like stupid, immature little brats. And, uh, well, they're exposing themselves for the degenerates that they are. And, uh, we'll talk about that a little later. I want to read some more emails now. You know, people who should know better, just a bunch of, you know what I was going to say. Okay. Let's go back now to some more emails. David from East of the Rockies, Kansas. <laughs> a nice, uh, a nice throwback to, uh, coast to coast. First time writer here. I'm sure you've heard that the UVB 76 station has been jammed the past few days. Surely I'm not the first to inform you of this. Been binging on the VORW for the past six months or so and I miss them. Oh, uh, I understand. I understand. Okay, I have to send, I have to send this guy a link to uh, see he, he hasn't found it. Okay. He hasn't found the SoundCloud. He was just checking the um, the YouTube. All right, I'll just send him a link. Yeah, UVB76, they were being interfered with during the Ukraine hype and uh, by these pirate stations playing music and all this sort of stuff over the top of it. And it was kind of attracting an audience and it was it was amusing, you know. But it wasn't like the station got hacked or anything. Um, believe me, UVB76 is entirely analog. It's being transmitted as a channel marker from the Russian military. And essentially, it's a Russian military frequency that Russia deems important, and they don't want anyone else using that frequency to interfere with them. So in order to, you know, whoever, to just show the world that this channel is in use, they broadcast that buzzing tone, the buzzer, 24-7 as a channel marker to show this frequency is occupied. So don't try to set up any broadcasts here because it's in use. So that's what that is. That's what the buzzing is. It's just a little, uh, a little tone to signify that this frequency is being used. And it's not the only thing that Russia has. They do that a lot. They have a sister station called the PIP, which is like a little PIP. You have the squeaky wheel, which sounds like a squeaky wheel. You have the air horn, which is self-explanatory. The goose, which sounds like a honking goose. Um, you've got all sorts of little channel markers, etc. Some just have Morse code. There's so many stations just like it. UVB76 just happened to be the one that got all the attention because it has the iconic, famous buzzing sound. And then on occasion, when they need to send a message, they'll stop the buzzer. The guy will get to the microphone, like I am right now, and uh, broadcast to the intended recipients. Um, and that's how it works. But it's entirely analog. The buzzer is an actual machine that makes the buzzing noise, and uh, it's located, you know, in a military facility. So no one can hack or interfere with that. If someone tried to actually do that, they'd probably have to crash through a gate, 
they'd probably get shot at and probably killed trying to break into the facility. And uh, not that it's some sort of top-secret place, it's not. It's just, you know, go ahead and try to break into a military facility and see what'll happen to you, right? It's not going to be pretty. So, uh, no one could really physically, you know, overtake the station or anything. These are just people broadcasting on the same frequency uh, with the pirate transmitters. But it was some entertainment. It was amusing. But yeah, I heard about that. I, I listened a little bit, and... Uh, it was interesting. All right, we've got the Panda 6400 checking in. A question. Have you read any of the Lord of the Rings books? I just finished the first book in the series. I wish you all the best. I've read Lord of the Rings. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien. I've read all of them. The Hobbit, and then, of course, all of the... All of the books. Uh, good books. Excellent film series. And, uh... I, I like it. Of course, I like the uh, Peter Jackson films. Those, the three, you know, you've got Fellowship, you've got The Two Towers, and The Return of the King. Uh, those three are awesome. The Hobbit movie wasn't a fan of. I feel like they tried to take The Hobbit, which was really a children's book, and make that into a film of the same caliber as The Lord of the Rings, and it just doesn't, uh, it, do it doesn't work like that. But they're trying to make it into something that it really isn't. And then you have, I guess, Amazon, right? With The Lord of the Rings on Prime. I'm not going to watch it. But, uh, it's, it seems like it's already, people aren't so sure about it. I'm not sure about it. And, uh. Rumor has it, at least from what I heard, that they invested a ton of money into this. I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be that good, but we'll see. It's just, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be set at such a high standard, I don't think they're going to be able to, uh, to meet that standard. All right, let's check some more emails. Actually, let me just check one more time the shortwave, and then I'll turn my radio off. I bet I'm playing some music now, but you're going to hear You Learn by Alanis Morissette. Let's see. Yep. Okay. Very good. Yeah, I like my 90s music. Picked that song out to start off the show. And then we get into some requests. Yeah, you learn. I, I like it. Alanis Morissette, a lot of good songs that she did. And uh, a lot of people just know her for one or two. But, you know, a lot of good stuff. I've just always liked Alanis Morissette. Always happy to play her stuff. Just a question and some comments from Nate in Iowa. As someone who was raised listening to public radio, you've always had the perfect voice for a public radio host. Soft, spoken, and articulate. I'm not a fan of the very obvious slant that public radio has taken politically in recent years, but that is neither here nor there. I did and still do appreciate the typical public radio delivery as far as voice and cadence is concerned. My question is in regards 
uh, to a question you were asked in the 2022 predictions episode, where you were asked if you had ever partaken in the use of marijuana. I tried it a few times and did not enjoy the experience, and similar to yourself, I don't partake in it. Just isn't for me. Which leads me to my question. Have you ever partaken or do you partake in the use of alcohol? I am not a frequent consumer of alcohol, but I do enjoy the infrequent consumption of high-end bourbon and scotch, as well as fancier cocktails. I try for health reasons to keep my use of alcohol as infrequent as possible, which is probably helped uh, by my taste for only top-shelf drinks. If I drink them any more frequently than I do, I would drain my bank account quite rapidly. That said, if you ever indulge in such beverages, would you ever consider reviewing higher-end liquors and types of cocktails? I'd be quite interested in your thoughts and opinions on many of them. So uh, thank you, Nate, in Iowa, for your thoughts. Yeah, so as you could imagine, at this point, um, the answer is very similar to one that I would give you in terms of the marijuana question. And uh, my answer is... Now, here's a slight difference. Have I ever consumed alcohol? I have. I have... Do I consume it at present? I do not. So I have drank in the past. I do not drink at present, and I really haven't any intention of drinking in the future. As a matter of fact, it's been definitely over a year since I've even had a drop of alcohol of any kind. So I just don't drink. Um, It's just, again, it's not for me. That's all. I don't expect others to have the same as some may describe puritanical standards that I have for myself. Um, If someone wishes to partake in alcohol, that is their prerogative. But uh, as with any substance, legally, one wishes to consume... One, I feel, must be responsible therewith. And if you drink, uh, please try to, obviously, you know, try to hold yourself accountable. Don't do anything stupid, of course, never drink and drive, but, you know, in an inebriated state, for some anyway, judgment goes out the window, and any sort of moral compass ceases to exist, which is a shame. And uh, that lack of inhibition can cause some huge problems sometimes. Bad things when alcohol gets added. One reason why I don't like alcohol is because you add it to the equation and bad things can happen. I don't like what it does to some people. Of course, it's never a guarantee, You get the happy drunks, you get the people who doesn't really do anything to, but then you got the people who um, become either very angry, belligerent, violent, or try to force themselves on others. And uh, those behaviors, I don't care who does it, um, I, I can never condone. So that's one thing that I don't like about it. I just don't like things in general that do things like that to people. Um, but secondly, for me, you know, it, uh, it, it's just not for me. It's, um, 
I don't know. It's just, it's just not something for me. From what I've consumed, I'm mostly just a wine kind of person, as you could probably imagine. But, uh, like I said, it's just not for me. Sometimes I would try drinking before, uh, to try to get to sleep. And, uh, you know, could lead to a little bit of tiredness, but it's just not worth it. You know, to have to guzzle this down, just so you could try to feel a little tired or something. Plus, it's just, it's just not worth it. I don't even bother. And it's not for me. Not for me. It wouldn't it be something, though, if I answered the question? I was almost tempted as a joke, but it's a serious question in a nice email. And uh, I wanted to give a, a good, honest response to you. Wouldn't it be something if I answered it, because I was again tempted to do this, answer it by saying, yeah, you know, I, uh, I drink all the time. My, uh, my favorites are these fine beverages, I don't know if you've heard of them, called, uh, Coors Light and Corona. <laughs> and act like they're these two high-quality things or something. It would be, I was kind of tempted to do that, but I, I didn't. Kevin in Wisconsin sends in a review request. You mentioned that you're more of a coffee drinker. Have you ever heard of the new Coca-Cola with coffee drink? I saw an advertisement for it on TV, and it intrigued me, as I like Coke, but I'm not very fond of coffee. I think it's too bitter for me. So thanks, Kevin in Wisconsin. I've heard of it. You know, I was actually going to do a review of it, and then I wasn't able to. Um, I probably still have the thing, the can of it, I was going to do a review of it last year, right after it came out, because people were requesting it, people wanted to see it, there was demand, so I went out to the store, I got my hands on the drink, and the night that I was going to do a review of it, um, society decided to go and play the game where you try to cancel the big corporation, and, uh, Coca-Cola was under fire because, I don't know what it was, because the CEO or something donated to a Republican, I guess, so let's get rid of Coca-Cola as a result of that. And, uh, these days everything is about optics. I realize that now. You don't have to do jack, pretty much. It's all about optics and how things look. That's, you know, you realize these days so much of it's all optics. It's about image and what they say they're going to do, but how many people talk the talk and how many people walk the walk, right? It all is, but you've got... Um, there was this huge backlash at the time. I'm not going to say whether it was right or wrong. It's just what happened against Coca-Cola, and everyone online got aboard the bandwagon to say, let's cancel Coca-Cola, and... Uh, Let's shut them down. Well, how well did that go over? I guess, does Coca-Cola cease to exist these days? Of course not. But at the time, if I did that review and uploaded it, remember what I was just saying about optics, and uploaded it after Coca-Cola was supposed to be canceled, um, how do you think that would have gone over? Wouldn't have been well received. Doesn't matter if I wanted to just try out what the damn drink was, but obviously if I was to do a review of Coca-Cola, well, 
you're uh, one of the bad guys, right? Because we were supposed to cancel them, and uh, now you're here doing a review. So obviously, just because you, in a nonpartisan way, talked about what a Coca-Cola beverage tastes like, then uh, you're you're evil for doing that, and need to be punished. That's the way it goes. So then by the time that blew over, because of course it did, all of this does, no one ever cancels a uh, big company. Never, never do. Coca-Cola laughs at such efforts. They say, go ahead, you know, play your little games because what does it matter to, what does it matter? Of course they didn't get canceled, but by the time it became, I suppose, acceptable to uh, once again do, uh, do the review, uh, just the relevance isn't there, so I never managed to do a review of it. But I don't know, maybe it was for the best, who's to say? It's just, it's just how it played out. So, uh... Thank you for your question. Nathaniel is checking in. Just finished listening to your 2022 Predictions podcast and wanted to thank you profusely for the excellent content. You're a first-class broadcaster in the truest sense of the word. And my best friend Ryan turned me on to your professional, engaging podcast. I must say I agree with your assessment of the current direction of our country and the world at large. I spend much time reflecting on human nature and the decline of society. And I share your pessimism regarding the current state of the species as well as our current trajectory. I know that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is famous for saying, quote, the arc of history bends toward justice, unquote, but we live in a world with more slavery, wage slavery, and sexual slavery than possible at any point in history. I've heard several humanitarian organizations make such dire statements in reference to the current state of global human trafficking. Also, the current rate of climate change would appear to bode rather unwell for humanity. To interject before you continue, yeah, you know, but if you mention the ongoing slavery that still happens to this day, um, you know, that's hush-hush. You're not supposed to talk about China or the Middle East or any of that. It happens elsewhere, too. The human trafficking, you're just not supposed to mention these things, which is sad. So anyway, you write, I am writing to specifically solicit your thoughts on deep fakes and the threat they pose to epistemic security and human rights. I'm sure you are familiar with the topic. I'm currently studying for a master's degree in library science, and I created a reference guide on the topic. I know that much discussion has been given to the threat of deep fakes uh, that they pose to epistemic security and the way that they will be exploited by corrupt leaders seeking to avoid accountability, as well as by hostile malefactors who seek to undermine information security by depicting people doing and saying things they have never done. However, currently the primary danger of deep fakes has been through non-consensual pornography, and these issues have affected countless people, primarily women who have their images stolen and perverted in a non-consensual manner. I wanted to send you this resource in the event that you have not read about deep fakes and the danger they represent, and I wanted to solicit your thoughts and concerns. 
as you are interested in both geopolitical uh, issues as well as the precipitous decline of humanity and civility. So, uh... You also say on a closing note, I've been constantly listening, I've been constantly listening to the music of Towns Van Zandt as of late, apologies for any pronunciation issues, and a quotation of his reminded me of you. An interviewer asked him, why do you write such sad songs? And he replied, my songs aren't sad, they're hopeless. I feel the same way and it terrifies me, terrifies me how hopeless I feel. Wanted to wish you all the best. Your voice and vision have provided solace through countless hard days and sleepless nights. So thank you, Nathaniel, for checking in. Yeah, deep fakes, I am familiar with them. The technology has been around for a couple of years now, but uh, you still see it, you know? It's still a problem. Probably only just get more of a problem. Yeah, deep fakes uh, sadly rose to prominence, I suppose, due to their pornographic usage, where you would take someone's face and then put it elsewhere and make essentially a pornographic thing depicting an individual who never partook in that to begin with. Now, people may find this hard to believe, but the things that have been sent to me that I wish I never saw uh, Numer quite quite a lot over the years anyway and uh, some of you it may not surprise in the least knowing what I've had to deal with but uh, if you would imagine people have actually made pornographic deep fakes of me of all people me and decided to send them my way which I had inadvertently the absolute displeasure of seeing. But, it, you know, it doesn't even surprise me. It's like I would be more surprised if someone didn't do that. Because <laughs> what do I expect of people these days? Nothing. The bar is set so low, of course there's going to be something like that out there, because why wouldn't there be? But I wish there wasn't, but of course there will be, because that's how people are. And, uh, it's a shame. It's a shame how so many things, how so many priorities, you name it, revolve around pornography, sexual exploitation, sexual manipulation, etc. Just how much sex in general, I don't know. You know, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. In my opinion, anyway, it does so much bad, so much evil. It's a uh, something I don't have a favorable opinion regarding. But look, what someone wants to do in the bedroom is none of my none of my business, but I don't want to know about it. I would prefer it be kept in the bedroom and uh, if everything's consensual and whatever, what do I you know, just I prefer to for it to be kept there. But so much just as uh I don't know. Maybe a few people out there know what I'm saying in terms of all of that, you know, that deep fakes just came about just because of pornography, all this stuff. I guess I'm just trying to say is that I'm not a fan of any of that sort of stuff. It's just not for me. And uh, I feel like it's contributed a lot of harm. But that's my opinion. My own opinion. 
and uh, it holds no bearing on anything. Anyway, so that in and of itself is disappointing. Not surprising, but insanely disappointing, nonetheless. In the political context, you're seeing that more and more, so it seems, and uh, it's scary. It's scary as to the implications it may have one day. Now, I've seen political deep fakes, and the thing is, is that you can get the movement right, but it's the voice that, by and large, maybe the technology these days is emerging where it could be like an AI-generated voice and try to mimic who it's, who it's um, supposed to be, but so many of the deep fakes that I've seen, it still requires someone like a, you know, to overdub the voice and try to sound like whoever it is they're trying to emulate. And I could usually spot a deep fake because a lot of people just can't get the voice completely right. Um, so I see that sometimes. But there are, there are instances where, like, politically speaking, I remember on the conspiratorial side of things, both with Trump and Biden, I will see people that they'll look at videos from the White House and they'll say, I think that this is a, uh, a deep fake, that this video isn't real. Uh, I see a lot of people that mention that about Biden, about some of his uh, video appearances, and they say, based on the movement here, uh, we think that this is an altered video. And I've seen people say that about Trump, too. That through official channels, they're putting out fake videos that are, are deep fakes and have at least a degree of AI generation. You know, I don't know. Could that be the case? Maybe. Maybe there is some sort of touching up on certain videos. Wouldn't surprise me. Remember what I was just saying about optics, how much that stuff matters. So why wouldn't they touch stuff up and utilize that technology if they feel like it's going to do a, uh, you know, do a better job in the court of public opinion, one reason or another. But either way, it might get to a point one day where the use of deep fakes is going to get a whole lot more dangerous. Now, I'm amazed that it hasn't gotten to that point already. And I don't really understand, knowing how people are and that the technology is there, uh, why we aren't doing this already. I'm, I mean, I'm glad, but it surprises me that you don't have various groups trying to emulate certain politicians and public figures and make them say things that they didn't say, etc., and then, as negative PR, claim that it was legitimate. I don't know why that's not being done already. Maybe it is, but I thought it would be more widespread. I bet there's going to be a day in election years. Maybe we'll be seeing this in 2024, if not, maybe the next election cycle will bring it, maybe by 2028. Uh, you'll see just political attack ads. They're just going to take the person and literally put words in their mouth. I mean, literally and get them make a video clip of them acting and saying something that they never did and said, and uh, portray that to try to sway the minds of voters, I could see that happening at some point, because uh, people are known for employing these sorts of scummy tricks, so why wouldn't they try that too? Yeah, deep fakes. it's sad, it's uh, 
not a technology that I'm particularly fond of. I've had to deal with some things with that, and uh, I know what they're capable of, and it is. It's uh, only something that I think with time will, will produce more issues than it would ever solve. So yeah, you know, deep fakes, it's just tough. There's a lot of people out there that just don't have the time to sift through this, that, and the other thing and determine what's real, what isn't, and go from there. They'll just take things for face value, take it for granted, and assume, wow, this guy really said that. Oof. You know, that's not the case. I don't know, it's just going to lead to a mess, in my opinion, and I thought it was going to be this way already. It's not, which is great, but I still think we're headed there. So thank you for your email. Uh, an interesting subject. Thanks for checking in. And now into a few final emails we go. No worries, of course, if you uh, didn't have your correspondence read in this program, but uh, there will be more to come, so don't hesitate to resend your email or simply send in a new piece of correspondence. Ashton in Alberta, Canada. Two questions. Question one. I know you have an unconventional sleep schedule, and I was curious about the pros and cons you have of such a schedule. Question two. My ADHD and anxiety make it difficult to fall asleep, and listening to your videos and podcasts certainly help me forget about my worries and shut my brain off. Do you have any routines or tricks to fall asleep? If so, what are they? So thank you for writing in two questions there. Uh, I'll answer the last one first, because that's the, the quickest answer I could give. Uh, I have no tricks. I have... Falling asleep, for me, is a struggle, and uh, I haven't any advice to, uh, to bring you, unfortunately. I wish, I wish that there was something that I could... Uh, that I could say that could help, but I have nothing. Uh, it's it's a struggle. I just try to sit there and clear my mind and, you know, try not to think about bad things and uh, and just try to try to put my mind in a good a good space a happy space. And uh, so I'm sorry I can't be more thorough in answering that. Uh, your first question, though. Unconventional sleep schedule, pros and cons. Uh, I would wager, at least in my circumstance, the pros far outweigh the cons. For instance, I, I have once again embraced the uh, biphasic sleeping. At this point, I say, you know, the hell with um, any repercussions this may have. I'm just going to do it. So that's that's my attitude, and I have made my choice. You know, it's not like I'm ignorantly making it. I have made up my mind, and I like it. I'll give you an example of just how <laughs> variable my sleep schedule is at this point, but mind you, this is intentional. So right now it is Wednesday, the 9th of February, so... I'll just give an example. Let's say Monday... Monday... I fall asleep first, 
at around uh, 4 p.m. on Monday the 7th. I wake up at 6.30 p.m. that evening. So two hours later. I'm up. I get something to eat. I'm up for about an hour and a half. Then I go back to sleep. And I sleep again from 8 p.m. until 10 p.m. Monday. After that point, I am up from 10 p.m. around, uh, I would say up until around maybe 4 a.m. From 4 a.m. to 7 a.m., I get three more hours of sleep. Then I'm up from 7 a.m. Now we're in Tuesday, we're talking. From 7 a.m. Tuesday until 5 p.m. Tuesday. Then from 5 to 6 p.m., got an hour of sleep. I got up again around 6, just so it was a quick nap. Got up, had something to eat. Then went back to sleep at around 7.30. Slept until... Eh, 9.30. Then was up from 9.30 p.m. Now getting into Wednesday today. Uh, 9.30 p.m. Tuesday. I was up until around 5 a.m. Wednesday. Slept for maybe two hours till uh, 7 a.m. Wednesday. And have been up since. Now... I am doing this with the full awareness and knowledge that this may not be good for me. So in terms of cons, that's the only con that I could really think of. Um, That health-wise, not necessarily sure that such a sleep would be good. But in terms of the pros, I like it because I experience literally every single part of the day, I experience the morning, the afternoon, the evening, the nighttime, in extended periods. I take, I, I literally experience the entire day without a sleep having to get in the way of things. And, uh, I feel like I have more time. Likewise, as to how I feel at the moment, I feel no adverse effect. I have no lesser energy than I normally do. And I feel that my mind isn't any less sharp. Not that it's very sharp to begin with, but I do not feel any sort of noticeable degradation in my abilities to to think or my reactions to various things. So that's what I like and dislike about it, but if it starts really getting to me, I'll knock it off. But, um, yeah, I just sleep when I sleep, and I just deal with it at this point. That's that's what I have accepted, and uh, I'm all right with it. I'm okay with it. I, I I can deal with it. It's no big deal. Thanks for your question. Next email comes in from Jackson. 
I was wondering if you think you could survive a zombie apocalypse. Do you think you could survive the first wave? Uh, would you die very quickly? What actions would you take? Where would you go? How would you arm yourself? And a bit of a weird question. Would you continue to wear your suits or would you wear something more practical for the situation? Well, thanks for reading. I wish you well. All the best from Jackson. Thank you, Jackson. <laughs> well, now, do you have some sort of knowledge about the future that I don't have? I mean, do, do you work in a CDC facility or something and is, is there going to be a zombie virus next and you're trying to ascertain all of our plans? <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun question, though. I like zombies. I like zombie movies and television shows, etc. Uh, one of my favorite zombie... I, is it a zo I guess it is. Well, there's debate. I would call it a zombie movie. Some may disagree. But uh, 28 Days Later, I don't really care what anyone calls it, I'm going to call it a zombie movie. It's one of my favorites, easily. I mean, the, the creatures are alive, theoretically, but they're not, you know, they're not really human either. I'll call them zombies. And, uh... It all depends also on the type of zombie outbreak, okay? For instance, would we be talking about, like, your standard Walking Dead-style the slow walker type type zombies, or are we talking about 28 days later, the running ones? Um, if it's the running zombies, I, I'm going to be dead. There's no way in hell that I will survive that. Um, I would be willing to bet in most cases how things would wind up with me is that either A, I would perish, which... Uh, is to be expected in a situation such as that. Or B, I would wind up being one of those extreme outliers where months and months later, some group will find me still alive and they'll be thinking to themselves, how the hell did this guy make it this far? And people will be utterly bewildered. And uh, it would be one or the other with the the former being far likelier, but, uh, you know, it would all depend on the circumstances. It would depend on how things play out. Uh, it would depend if there is any hope for any sort of control over the situation, or if it is a totally apocalyptic um, situation, right? Is humanity going to recover? Or are they not? Another thing, how personally would I be impacted by it? Um, because that would certainly affect my will to live. If I really lost everything, I don't want to live in this post-apocalyptic hellhole. So what do I really care? Um, I wouldn't really have much motivation to survive to begin with. So, I might even wind up just taking care of myself, and that'll be that if you catch my drift. Otherwise, it all depends, and depends on the situation. You know, I'd probably lay low. That's what I would do. I wouldn't really see myself joining any sort of 
big group or anything. I think I would just lay low and try to go unnoticed by both the living and the dead. And uh, if there's any hope, just wait it out and uh, buy time, and that's what I would do. So that's the approach I would take. Maybe if I had my hands on some radio equipment and a means to power them, I might still do some stuff. Because that, you know, you could do from hiding and whatnot. For instance, if I had a way to power something and a little pirate transmitter or something, I could still broadcast on the shortwave, and I could do that from some sort of interior room or whatever. No one would know where I am or where the broadcast is emanating from. You don't need a huge antenna to still get out. And uh, you would think the amount of noise interference would be non-existent, so you wouldn't need a high-power transmitter either to reach anyone out there still listening. So I could probably find a way to do some radio stuff too if I wanted to. And uh, that could kind of give me, if nothing else, give me something to uh, to do. Interesting. Uh, would I still wear suits? Yes, I would. I would still I would still wear what I wear, um, because why not? You know, these might be the final days of my life in a situation like that. So, I'm sure not going to lose my individuality in those circumstances. I will still, I will still be me. And, uh, that's just how it is. Some good questions. Thank you, Jackson. And, uh, on the subject of zombies, you know, The Walking Dead, I was revisiting some of season one a while back. Well, it wasn't even a while back. It was a couple weeks ago. And, uh, that show used to be really good. Used to be really good. Season two, you know, started going already. It was greed. That's why. It was greed. Same setting. Same plot. Nothing really happens. But if you ever watch the show again, pay attention to this that the zombies actually changed from season one to season two. And it's because of different writing. In season one of The Walking Dead, the zombies were a bit more formidable. Uh, they could pick up and utilize small tools. Um, there was one who was holding a rock to try to break a window. One of them was trying to open a door by turning the doorknob and could figure that out. Uh, they had basic memories, and some of them could actually move rather fast, and pay attention in one scene, I forget when this is, this might be the scene where they're in Atlanta, and they're trying to blend in with the rest of them, and then it starts raining, and they have to get out of there, and they're being chased by the zombies. But pay attention as they're being chased. Um, Rick and I forget who he was with. I think it was Rick. I don't know. It's been years since I've seen this episode. But I remember they, they hop a fence, a pretty big fence, and a few of the zombies scale the fence too. 
that scene goes unnoticed, but you would never see something like that in later seasons. I mean, think of it this way, the prison, the whole thing with the prison, what would the point be? The damn zombies would just be able to scale the fence. So, they wrote that out in season two. Anyway, just an interesting thing there. Thank you for writing. Uh... Tyrant is checking in. What are your thoughts on the popular creepypasta named The Back Rooms that originated on 4chan? To put it simply, The Back Rooms are levels of mazes and labyrinths in another reality that you could slip into randomly, and that's what really scares me. I ask this because you seem to be well-informed in the world of creepypastas and such. Have a great day. Yeah, the back rooms, I think that originated on the uh, the paranormal, the X board. And then from there it spread, I think, to Reddit and social media. And then it entered the mainstream. And uh, the thing about the back rooms that scares some people, now it doesn't scare me, um, is the concept of liminal spaces. And uh, to some, that can be quite unnerving. Now, um, let us hypothesize that the back rooms are real. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the pictures. I want to go there. I mean, I don't care if there's some sort of, looks like stick figure creature roaming around in there. That's fine. Yeah. Sign me up, let's go. I'll hang out in the back rooms for a while. Yeah. I could be left alone there. And, uh... Yeah, you're right, there might be a creature or something roaming around in there that I'd have to deal with, but, I'll, you know, I'll take my chances. I'll hang out in the back rooms for a while, I'll do it. Doesn't bother me. These empty spaces, I actually... they. Uh, <laughs> now, I know I am an anomaly... But I think it's just because I am so reclusive or whatever you want to say that I look at places like this that are just empty and void of everything, and I see the appeal. It's t To me, I think, I bet it's going to be nice and quiet there, and probably pretty peaceful, and I won't have people bothering me, and... uh I could just spend a few hours there and uh, don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. But a lot of people, they see the liminal spaces, you know, these empty spaces and uh, are very unnerved by it. And I understand. I, I get that even horror is a subjective thing and some things that people find, that some people find scary you know, it might not be for others. So for me, no, it doesn't It doesn't scare me in the slightest. Like I said, especially if I had, let's say, I had the magical ability to teleport in and out of the back rooms, 
Um, I would probably be there on a daily basis. If I had to guess, probably. It would be a nice break from reality. It would be an escape of sorts. And, uh... I mean, even if there's, say, a creature that lives in the back rooms, who knows, you know? We wouldn't know outright that it would have any sort of animosity. It might just be different. And either way, if I start getting those, I could just leave. You know, now I understand if you're trapped there and you're held against your will, who likes that? But, um... Yeah, if there were... If there was the, the ability to go there and you could leave as you wish, I'll, I'll be there. Sign sign me up. Let's go to the back rooms. Let's, let's go right now. Let's do it. <laughs> the back rooms. But, like I said, I know... I think that's really big with uh, the Zoomers, too. There's some video with 14 million views on YouTube about the back rooms. But, like I said, it scares some people more than others, and, uh... Yeah, it just is what it is. It's interesting, though, an interesting concept to take the liminal spaces and make something out of it. Uh, Tobias in Little Rock, Arkansas, checking in. This one, I'm not going to go on for too long. I just don't want to really go there. Um, you said in your last episode you talked about Amazon's ownership of Ring camera systems. As one of the few reasons why you don't trust them, I want to hear more about your views on Amazon as a company. I personally boycott them based on what I see as monopolistic practices and questionable labor practices. That's my take, but I want to hear your thoughts. Like I said, I have my views. I don't like Jeff Bezos. You know, there's the, um, the wage cage, as I call it. At one of their warehouses, I think. <laughs> Where, um... If, let's say, you're there and you're being... I shouldn't laugh at this, but... It's so dystopian, it's funny to me. Well, they, they call it a mindful practice room. But I would call it the, uh... It's, I, I would call it the cage. And, uh... It's supposed to be, you know, well, you're there in the warehouse getting slave-driven. If you're on the verge of a breakdown and you can't stand it anymore, then they have this little cage that you go into and you block yourself in there and you're supposed to stare at the wall for a couple minutes to, uh, I guess, get a grip on reality once again. And then once you feel that you've done that, then you get back out of your cage and go, go back to work. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the mindful practice room. I think, though, if you want to have a perfect wage cage, I think you actually have to dial up the dystopian level um, just a little bit more. And uh, what you do is when you're about to lose it, you get yourself into the cage 
and you lock yourself in there, and then what will happen is there will be a big screen in front of you, and there will be a loop of uh, Bezos sending you positive affirmations, and then this little mist of some sort of some sort of drug that'll that'll calm you down will uh, be sprayed in your face, and you'll be watching this, and you'll inhale it, and uh, then after about a minute, you'll be off back to back to work. Uh, I think it I think it needs to be dialed up to that level in order to have a true uh, dystopian cage. So I think we've got to I think they got to get on that, and uh, we should be there by now. And it's uh, disappointing that we're not. So there you have it. I said with immense sarcasm. I hope people, I imagine most of you listening, realize that that it disgusts me how dystopian all that is. And people, you get people who look at this as revolutionary and how how great of a uh, of a thing this is going to be. And uh, trust me, I think this is this is only the beginning. It's gonna. There's gonna be a day where this is gonna look like nothing. It's gonna look like paradise in comparison. All right. Sorry to waste your time looking around for stuff, but I found four more emails that I want to read, and then that's it for the show. This is just a short one. I kind of. I thought this was rather comical. Um. A thought on the predictions show. Uh, I agreed. Well, actually, this is a comment about the uh, show before that, I guess. I agreed with the things you said in the two years of COVID episode. Uh, To me, there are two extremes of people, those who think COVID is no big deal whatsoever, and those who act like we're literally living in the end of days, and they both give me equal amounts of anxiety. I stopped reading the news ages ago. As a nosy-by-nature person... I'm sad we won't be getting an average day 2021 shower routine video, but I understand your decision and think it's for the best. <laughs> Thanks for your comments there. Yeah, that's what you know. But with the with the COVID, um, yeah, you get a lot of uh, a lot of extremes, and uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know anymore. I. Uh, I look around, I look online, and I see what these last two years have done to a number of people, not all, but certainly a number. It has exposed a lot for what they really are, but it's some of the attitudes are themselves a virus. And people have been infected by them. And you see people who maybe used to be decent get, uh, they turn into these monsters wishing death upon other people so freely and readily. It's not like humanity hasn't been this way before, but... They try to condition you and make you think that we're headed out of those days. No, we're not. 
We're not. So what are we going to do about that? You think you think all these people are suddenly going to go back to normal? So my fear, my concern, and uh, as you could obviously tell, I'm very pessimistic in terms of anything pertaining to this country and the world is uh, and humanity and all of that stuff. Um, and I just don't hide the pessimism anymore. At the same time, though, I'll I'll be a pessimist. I'll take my pessimism because then in the event that I'm wrong, it's going to feel really good to be wrong. And to have things go the other way, it is going to be such a joyous occasion. That's why I embrace pessimism, because things have been in such a hole these last few years. In 2019, I already felt like things were getting bad before COVID, and then COVID happens, and it gets unimaginably worse in every conceivable way, with no brakes on this train. So my fear is that with the attitudes we were discussing just a moment ago, even if it's finally accepted that the pandemic is essentially over, by that, not that COVID ceases to exist, but in its form needs to just be treated like the flu, and that'll be that, and some sense of normalcy will return, uh, those attitudes that have been created, and you see this on all sides, uh, over the last two years, that's not going to go away. And this is going to be permanent damage to society. And when they were talking about a new normal, they meant it. So this is going to be reality from now on. And we're going to be lucky if it's if it stays where we're at right now. But I don't know. I wonder sometimes, and I don't have an answer. This is a rhetorical question because I haven't an answer. You know, you're making... Yes, these are generalizations. Because there will always be outliers. But nonetheless... You know, with children at this point, what's, how are they going to turn out? I don't, I don't know. Even young teenagers and younger, how are they going to wind up from all of this? I mean, how, I don't see when I look at, I guess, what's described these days now as Generation Alpha, that'd be the youngest generation, constant social media usage from day one, a lot of unrestricted internet access, being given smartphones perpetually, and then add COVID and all of the complications therefrom, onto the equation, how are these kids going to turn out? I don't know. But is there any part of me that believes that the answer will be good? No.
No. I don't see that. Don't see that for a second. There was this one kid that I saw the other day who was, uh, I don't know. It's not like these behaviors haven't ever existed, but at the same way, it's this level of appeasement, too. He was going through, this is just a young kid, like six or seven, he was walking through the parking lot, he was kicking all the cars, pounding on them, and his parents were right there, they didn't even do anything, just letting him do this and damage other people's property. And they were in the car that happened to be parked next to where I was, so I could hear them. And this kid was commanding his parents. Again, young age. He must have been like six years old. Swearing at them. Didn't hesitate to bang his fists on anything that he could. And again, was commanding them akin to what you would see like stereotypical evil boss commanding the subordinates. That's that's how this kid, he was treating his parents. You're gonna do, you're gonna do, you know, just demanding that. And they relented. They didn't even tell him, no, he was profane, and they, they didn't say anything. They were just, you would think that they would be bowing down to him and saying, yes, master, at this point. It was unreal. And I don't know. In my mind, you know, what does that, what would that, in grain have this deplorable subhuman behavior and you will get what you want and people like that if this attitude continues one of two things is going to happen he's either going to become very successful in life and become a ceo and there's only a finite number of ceos so that is unlikely or he's going to be an absolutely terrible terrible person and uh one of many but it's you know a generalization things can change you know but to see that to see the lack of even reaction from the parents just to give in completely if that doesn't scare you i don't know what will that is our future that we're looking at when you see that Time and again, I just shake my head and I say, how? So I don't know. Maybe it'll get better. But what, if I say that to myself, do I believe myself? No, I don't. I would like to see it, though. I would really like to, uh, like to see it. But I don't believe it. But I want, I want to see it. I would give anything to see that, to see that this COVID and the social media and the smartphones and the unregulated internet for young children, or even the regulated stuff. You look at some of the stuff that's on YouTube, kids or whatever kids platform these days, some of the shady content that's being shown to children and just all of this, everything, you know, how realistically, can things turn out good? I don't know, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. That could be. That could be. I accept that. The, um... 
maybe I'm the one that's wrong. You know, maybe I'm just stuck in the past and I'm yearning for a world that doesn't exist anymore. That could be. And you just have to sit there and say that these behaviors are good and uh, maybe I'm the one that needs to be forced into one of those cages like the Amazon thing. And, uh, who's to say? I can't help but feel that way, though, and hope for better. But I want to be proven wrong, like I said. I hope there might be differences in society and technology, etc., but I hope that future generations can do better than what we have now. And our next email reads as follows. Dear John, I've been a listener since 2017 and have only written you once, but was pleased to hear you included the broadcast, or included my email in the broadcast at the time. In one of your most recent broadcasts, you mentioned that you have been able to tune in to the voice of Cairo on the shortwave. However, it was obviously clear that the transmitters they use were probably from the early Cold War era, 1950s at best. As an Egyptian-American who was born here in the U.S., but was taught Arabic before English, I've been exposed to Arabic culture, but specifically Egyptian culture, all my life. Despite being a working college student, I still find myself speaking Arabic to my parents, family, and others nearly every day. I have to say, this is the most accurate and typical behavior of the way the Egyptian people, and specifically the Egyptian government, does things. I just think it's funny they put all this money behind broadcasting something. However, the transmitters and the actual hardware is so borderline useless that no one can actually tune into the broadcast. So in relation to this, I'd like to share with you a brief anecdote that is somewhat related. In the 2000s, the early 2000s, there was a kind of scandal of sorts that happened at the Cairo, Egypt Zoo. Some foreign tourists noticed that a few strange peculiarities with the zebras in the zebra exhibit within the zoo. Upon closer examination, it was revealed that they were not actually zebras at all, but rather donkeys and mules painted with black and white stripes to emulate being zebras from afar. This is a quintessential typical Egyptian move to fabricate or jerry-rig whenever there's no other option or the better alternative would be otherwise too costly or troublesome. It's also sad if you look at how many of the ancient Egyptian antiquities and archaeological remains have been mishandled, smuggled, auctioned off, profited from, and fabricated or forged, and all manner of disingenuous profiteering has been made on the rich ancient history of Egypt. So I I agree, number one. You continue. I'm curious as to your thoughts on the Facebook metaverse. I know you've spoken at length, given a few lectures in the past on your opinions on society and how unified and divided it is. You've also spoken about the nature of technological advancement and the way 
social media and technology in general impacts our society and the relationships between people therein. I'm curious what you think about the new move that Facebook and Zuckerberg are creating the new metaverse. Do you think in a few years it will be the next social media where no one is able to function in society without using it? Or will this kind of virtual reality or augmented reality fail, or be seen as anathema only for the privilege to those who can afford to spend their time in it? To interject, uh, you know, I hope it fails. I want to see it fail. I don't support it. And uh, I would like to see it fail. I have a feeling, though, that it is going to have its takers. It's going to have people who are really into it and will be hardcore supporters. But I just don't think that it's going to be at that level where it's going to be quintessential um, in society. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those things, I think, anyway, where uh, it'll catch on with some, but it'll be like one of those social medias that it's like, yeah, it's there, I don't, I don't need it, but it's there, I guess, for those who want it. At least I hope so. If they try forcing it on people, that's going to be a huge problem. But another reason I don't see it taking off is because for the first time ever, Facebook is hemorrhaging users. People are leaving the site. So it's clear that there's at least a degree of disenchantment with the company and also with Mr. Zuckerberg, who, uh, you know, with his name being proudly slapped on this, uh, people will, I think some people will have their objections. You also continue, I have two film recommendations. Relatively new, but I'm curious as to your thoughts. The two, movie, the two movies are Nightmare Alley by Guillermo del Toro, starring Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman, William Dafoe, William Dafoe, and uh, Kate Blanchett, and Don't Look Up by Adam McKay, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep. Our world is ever-changing, and who knows where the future will take us. There will always be unforeseen events in the future, whether they be natural disasters or other calamities. A few years ago, I'm sure no one could have imagined a global pandemic would have kept, would have swept the world and kept people at home for nearly a year, while changing the landscape of both our society, the way we do business, and pretty much everything else. Well wishes and Godspeed, brother, from Mark in North Florida. Thank you, Mark, for a, a great email there. And thank you for your movie recommendations as well. That was, a, that was a very interesting email. Thanks for checking in. Our final question comes from Phil, who writes, In your reviews, do you ever have any hesitancy to bash certain products? I assume not anymore, but did you in the past when you were trying to grow your channel? I understand how garnering ill will with a company could potentially... Uh, that you could potentially collaborate with could cause you to be reluctant to be honest. Thanks for what you do. So indeed, these days, and thank you for your question, these days I don't care about trying to be this, that, or the other thing. But there was a time where 
I, I, I didn't intentionally ever give good or bad reviews for certain things, but I did feel intimidated. As a matter of fact, the reason why I felt intimidated was not actually for the reason that you theorized. Um, when I was growing the channel, now I've never collaborated with any fast food company. The only thing I ever did that was any sort of collaboration was a paid review I did once back in 2016 because I was completely broke and needed any help that I could get. So I did that one time. And that was for some sort of drink. Aside from that, I never have. Now, people might say, yeah, but what about um, Little Caesars? That was a collaboration. They sent you a tie and all this stuff, right? They didn't even... All that happened was they sent a package to my door unannounced. I don't make my address public, but they got my information, didn't even reach out to me beforehand, and just sent this big box to me. And I didn't open the box for well over a month, two months. I actually had it in the corner of the garage because I didn't want it inside the house. I didn't want it near me. I didn't know what was in it, and they didn't want to be near it. So they just sent that out of the blue. I reached out to them. I said, what is this? I, uh, how did you get... What, what, what's the point of this? And they never responded. So that was just something that they sent me in terms of that. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, I've been invited by Taco Bell to go to their corporate headquarters, been invited to appear in a commercial here and there, and I just don't do it. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's just not for me. What, what, is, what intimidated me, though, for a time was in 2019 or so, maybe it was 2020, I, 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 I forget, honestly, but one of those years... I realized that companies had a certain pull with the YouTube algorithm and things happen behind the scenes where they'll call up YouTube and they'll tell them promote this video and hide that video. And I am convinced that that happens. And there is a review that I did. I tried out this Taco Bell item that was utter trash. It was horrible. It was absolute garbage. I hated it, and I didn't hold back. I said, this thing is a, this, it's a disgrace. And the video did so well the first day. Got like 200,000 views in one day. It's almost on the level of being a potential viral hit. But then the next day, something happened with the video so unnatural that the only possible answer I could even conjure is that there is artificial manipulation. Because the video was doing so well, so insanely well, the next day, the views plummet to the point where a video that was once getting 20,000 views an hour, the very next day is only getting maybe 100 views an hour. So something happened with that video. Something happened that took it out of the rotation it removed it from anything searchable. YouTube stopped promoting it. And the only thing that I could think as to why is that Taco Bell must have reached out to them 
and told them, pull it and, uh, you know, get the video out of here. Stop showing this to people and uh, do it. So I think that's what happened. And uh, that's why I was a bit paranoid for a while, because I thought, well, if they're willing to do this, then what else are they willing to do? Do I need to sit here and be fearful of suppression at this point or not? Because I don't know. And that got me worried, and that got me thinking, I don't like this. I don't like this one single bit, because I want to tell it like it is. If an item is good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. And I don't like this idea that you have to kiss your corporate overlord's asses and only take that certain approach or else. So, what I eventually decided to do is I said, forget these worries, you know? Just forget it. I'm not going to sit here and try to worry about these things. You know what? If an item is good, it's good. And if it's bad, it's bad. And I don't care what they think. If they suppress all the bad reviews that I do... Well, so be it, because that's not going to stop me from describing an item as I see it fit. So, that's when I said, you know, just forget it. Let them suppress, let them do whatever they want, and uh, I'm not going to play by their rules. I'm not going to play their game, and... uh if they want to take every video I do down, then uh, that's how it's going to be. So, that's the attitude I've adopted now, and I've said, yeah, forget it. What do, what do I care anymore? If they want to suppress a video because I said something bad, then let them. But I'm not going to change. Thank you for your question. Dear listeners, that's all that I have for you today. I hope you could tune in again to the next show that I do, and also... If you've made it this far and you have a shortwave radio, please listen to my broadcast. It goes out every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evening at the time of 9 p.m. Eastern. That's 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Pacific, on 5850 kilohertz. That's 5.850 megahertz. So please tune in to the shortwave broadcast. We'll talk about the current events news of the day, issues I don't talk about here, and we'll balance it out with some good music too. That's all. Until next time, be safe, be healthy, and I wish you all the very best. Take care. This is VORW.